Hey everybody, Jay Williams here from Sight and Sound. Yeah, I'm the resident music guy, so I know a thing or two about headphones. I love wearing headphones. I wear headphones all day at my day job, and I know just how important they are. In fact, you're probably listening to this podcast on headphones right now. Everybody has their favorite pair of headphones, but why not go ahead and get a pair of backup? I mean, you might even lose them. You just, you, you, you never know. So go over to studiosweden.com, that's S-U-D-I-O, and check out their collection of headphones. They have earbuds, over-the-ear, wireless, get your wireless game on par 100%. And while you're there, you can check out everything they have. But if you want to pick something up, go ahead and use the promo code SIGHT and SOUND15. That's SIGHT, A-N-D, SOUND15 for 15% off. You're welcome, world. Get your headphone game on. Jay, I'm glad you're here. Why? Because I put a blue condom on your microphone? As if there's... <sighs> you say things sometimes. I don't know how to recover. <laughs> oh, you mean like I stopped why, you in your tracks? Why would you call this a blue condom? Because that, that's what you called it in the past. I call it a windscreen. Have I called it a mic condom? Yes. One day you, <laughs> call, you called it that and it... And I was like, I don't want you to call it that. I just really don't. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot that I did that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm funny. I'm funny. Um, what a weird statement. I'm a, I'm a funny like, guy. I'm proclaiming it right now. I'm, I'm, uh, a funny I, I'm hilarious. I, I, I totally forgot that I called it a blue condom, uh, blue Connie. But Jay, I'm glad you're here. As if there's another uh, way that I record sight and sound weekly. Um, How do you like sitting on that couch doing the podcast? Do you this feel is, more this official? This isn't my first time. Do you feel more official, though, when you sit there? I do. I feel like, uh, like Brendan Schnoz. He almost shit his pants on a podcast. Hey, I felt that way many a times. I've had to... I think... We talked about this, but I've had to go number two mid-album review, filming an album review. Yeah. And instead of just resuming, I just started it over. You just deleted it. Yeah. Um I mean, that makes sense because you don't want someone like Max Landis coming on and criticizing That's you right. and being able to. T- we'll, Telling me to delete a video. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But oh, is that what we're going to do? I, uh, well, unless you're opposed to it. I don't care. So I've been waiting to talk to you about this for the past 24 hours. Ever since I, I tweeted this and posted this on Facebook. And you're coming out as a vapor. We got called out for vaping. I know. I saw it. It made me laugh because I thought for sure that you were going to say, it was Jay, but then you said, we're both vapers. <laughs> well, how did you feel typing that, having to say that for the first time I, in your I life? didn't care for it. I knew it. Because I, I knew I, you were going to be apprehensive I still want the opportunity I was to glad make that you fun did, of people. I was glad that you didn't throw me under the bus there. I, I still, well, I didn't, what the guy said didn't make any sense. So it's like, okay, whoever isn't talking, it's vaping. <laughs> You, oh, is that just a given? Is it? Yeah. If you That's hear, fair. if we're podcasting and you hear that in the background, it's the person that isn't talking. I mean, 
who else is it going to be? So I was like, yeah, wh- whoever isn't talking is the one that's vaping. So uh, I-, I still want to be able to make fun of people who vape if I choose or laugh at it. Yeah. And we vape different things, though. And we vape for different reasons. <laughs> so okay. I feel like I'm like a a lower tier. Like I'm not the aficionado. I'm right. not the guru that Like you I know are. Grim Green. Exactly. <laughs> so I still I still feel like People I'm on like, the outside. Who's Grim Green? It doesn't matter. It's fine. Okay. So here here's I have wh- a story to tell you by the way after this. Go ahead. Here's the word for word what my Facebook post was. When people say, oh, I'd hate to swipe my debit card for just X amount. Why is that? It's the same money no matter what. So I, I'm i not going to tell you where I work now, but uh, I work somewhere where I still deal with customers and retail for things. Yeah. And depending on... So, so I know where you work. The way you said that was like you weren't going to reveal yeah. to me where... So, so anyway, people, sometimes they say this for anything less than $5, sometimes less than $1, but it, it's to that person, it, it's an amount that just doesn't feel worthy enough to swipe the debit card. Right. And I've never understood that. Like every time someone says that, I'm like, why does that matter? Just do it. People don't, or I don't ever carry cash. Right. It's the way the world's going. It's like, I just don't understand it. So I got... Several responses. Yeah. Uh, people like Justin Ayotte, uh, Ralph Lenardic, Graham Butler. Uh, Ralph Lenardic, word for word, was people are stupid, right? Uh, Kevin Marks, uh, Josh, or Josh Suddeth. So all these people are commenting and, and kind of just saying what I'm saying. Right. Like, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. My cousin, Laura, comments. Laura? Laura. Because some people actually track each purchase slash debit they make, and it's annoying to have to keep a receipt for a dollar nineteen laughy face. Oh yeah, you're you're keeping your books. So I read that she she's probably like four or five years older than me. She's married, has two kids. Almost thirty. She's over thirty. Oh, okay. So I look at the people who reacted to it, who liked that comment. My other cousin, who I might as well be a stranger to you. Yeah. My aunt, so her mother, my aunt, who I'm close with, and then uh, a friend of my older sisters. So basically, all of these people are older. Right. And some of them are from my family. Most of them are from my family. So I read this over and over again. And part of me takes it as. And I might be reading too much into this, and you can tell me if I am or not, because you're really good at that. I yeah. feel like I'm being attacked. I feel like these are people in my family, because you've, you've heard me talk about my family before. I'm the black sheep. I'm the guy that looks at the rest of my family and goes, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> well, issue number one is posting anything on Facebook. <laughs> That's, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Facebook is a cesspool. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think my post was a cesspool. I, I, don't, I didn't think your I don't post think, was. But I don't think my putting, comment section. You're are. putting out bait for. No offense to uh, your family or it just in general. There are one too many people on Facebook that probably shouldn't be using the internet. Yeah. Fair so statement. The way I'm reading into it is that this is my family who's grown up quote-unquote, grown up and got married and had kids. And 
we actually have to keep track of our money. Like, I feel like it, it, it sounded like my first impression was actually more so with the people that liked it. Well, That's, look, l- not so much with the comment. Let's call the post what it is. It was one of these like jo- Larry jokey comedian sort of yes. observation that you post for absurdity's sake. Yes. Where I, it actually, it's, thank you. It is terrible. There's nothing <laughs> worse on the face of planet earth than when somebody comes in and takes that literal. Yes. It just lets, it makes me want to like Max Landis suggested, delete it from the internet. Yeah. Like, You've taken the fun out of this because my like when the guy like when the guy was like, since when is Kentucky East Coast? It's nowhere near the ocean. All right, guy. Like it's, I mean, that, that goes back to what I say, but people on the Internet just don't know how to say, I know what you mean. Like Christian Harloff said, you don't always yeah. have to type. There's basically on Facebook. There's no level of I, I do it all the time. Yeah, I read a post that it might be a disagreement of some kind, but or I, I I might not take their post literally, but I know where they're coming from. I know what they mean. I know what they're going for with right. particular posts. And so many of the times I'm doing that, Larry David asked, like, so why do why do human beings do this? It's I'm doing a lot of that over the years. I get just sometimes I get destroyed, and that's why I cut back on Facebook posts a lot. Right, my personal posts. Because there were people that just like, and it's fine if they were if they were doing it because they just didn't think I was funny. Like, yeah. we're not letting you get away with this. Like, we're gonna tell you this is shitty. But uh, and, but look, I don't think that's where she's coming from. I think she had a, a point to make. Like, of well, course, I, I do it this way. Well, it's very logical, but it's not the time or place. But I I refrained from responding to her, right? Because my response is okay. If this is like a generational argument, like you're making a play, like some people have to keep track of their money. Like I don't have, like I don't have responsibilities. This is a one way to take it. We keep track of our money digitally. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I don't need books like you described it. I don't need books because books, my bank account, Bees. my bank yeah. account's in an app. And it's like, I don't keep my fucking receipts. I've been without debit card for an entire week. I lost my debit card a week ago, and all week I've been meaning to cancel it and have them send me a new one, and I just haven't. I've made I've made sure that no one's stolen it, obviously, but you know how I've been paying for things? <laughs> With birthday money. The birthday money that I was given. And yeah. I felt bad for it because I was like, and this is sorted to your point, but I felt bad for it because I was like, man, I'm having to spend this birthday money, but what's the difference between having like whatever it was, like the $250 or whatever, in my wallet and spending that as opposed to not spending what's sitting in my bank account. Yeah. It just, it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, man, look, the internet is a strange place. It's full of, uh, people from all walks of life. Are yeah. you, are you an active participant or an active member on any subreddit at all? No. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I frequent the, uh, Bonnie Vare Reddit page. Yeah. And whatnot. Shout out to uh, the guy that I've become friends with. Um, (laughs) Don't even know his name. Some friend. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. I apologize. (laughs) But he might be doing a sight and sound t-shirt design for us. Anyways. Oh, shit. I haven't been talking to the mic this whole time. Okay, go ahead. um, 
So it's kind of funny when you do frequent these pages like this and you're familiar with the conversations that do go on. And then all of a sudden somebody new comes in and asks like the dumbest question possible. And you can almost feel the collective sigh like, <sighs> like when, yeah. when somebody, for instance, on this band, Bonnie Vare's subreddit and, and is like, has anyone ever seen this rare performance? And it's like, yeah, come on, man. Like you came <laughs> to the Reddit group for it. Like, right. This is the place where we deep dive on this shit. Like, yes, we've fucking seen it, but everybody's, everybody's relatively polite about it. But, um, no, my absurd story that I have actually took place today. So I don't know. I don't think I've ever done this. And I, I'm so interested to know if other people have ever done this. So today for lunch, I, I drove Kayla to work today as I picked her up late last night and I was already in Lexington. It was around lunchtime and I was like, today I'm going to do all keto all day. And I'm, I've still have. So I went to Chipotle and I had Chipotle for lunch for dinner tonight. I drove to Frankfurt and I ate at Cadoba. I had both. Hey man, which one's better? First of all, where do you sit on the argument? Qdoba. Have you ever, I mean, you've eaten at Chipotle before. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever eaten? Back to back? No. Have you ever eaten them relatively close together? No. Hey, man. There is a distinct difference. Qdoba is trash. What? Dude, I, it was. Are you kidding me? Compared to the meal, I mean, normally when did I, you have this? What did you? What did you? Legitimately, eat the exact same thing at both places. Exact same thing. Which a, was a burrito bowl, no rice, no beans, double chicken with queso because both have queso now. Um, lettuce, cheese, guacamole, corn salsa, hot salsa, and salsa verde. It's really dumb. The it took Chipotle this long to have queso. That's really stupid. It is, it is silly. That's that's insanely stupid. It is silly. I agree. Good. But they also don't they don't charge you extra for guacamole, whereas Cadoba does. But um man, it was just I mean, look, when I'm hungry, when I want a, a burrito bowl and I can have Cadoba, it's perfectly satisfying. But when I have the capability to legitimately on the same day pass a judgment, I mean, it was like eating fucking filet mignon and McDonald's stale French fries. Like maybe, uh, maybe it, I need to go back to Chipotle. The chicken tasted like cardboard ass. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. What about Moe's? I haven't, I haven't been to Moe's in maybe a decade. <laughs> I swear to God, has he even been around that long? Kayla's about to walk in the door. Should we continue to podcast? Let's let's hit the pause button and we will resume this conversation. All right, what were we talking about? So the moral of the story is I think that I dislike people who like comments that challenge me more than the challenge itself. What? We're talking about Cadoba and Chipotle. What, are you interested in partaking in this uh, challenge one day? Yes, for breakfast, Moe's, for lunch, Chipotle, Qdoba dinner, one day. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I recommend it. I think everybody should try it out. If... Isn't aren't there only Cadobas in certain parts of the country? Probably. Yeah. Um 
What was the other thing we were going to talk about? I had like eight things I wanted to talk about. Do you want to talk about this Max Landis thing? We can. Yeah. If you want to. I uh, First thing I want to say, though, is just my interaction with Max Landis is much more different than yours. It was much more intimate and personal than yours. But two years later, I've seen your interaction with him. Yeah. And I think I would prefer your your interaction because lately I've realized that I I'm all about I've talked about it before. I'm all about the negativity on YouTube. I I want I'm trying yeah. to I want to embrace feuding because it can only like Stu, I, I talked about it before. But Stu Gotts uh, got into like a uh, did you see Kevin Durant's shoes that he put out? No, he, I haven't. He put out the shoes. KD, I am. I do like the KDs. I'm not a fan of basketball shoes in general, but the KDs are great shoes. So the KDs came out, and the, the bottom, newest ones, yeah the the bottoms of them have uh, writing of all the things that he's been called since moving to Golden State. Yeah, uh, which are just like uh, ring chaser, and it's basically it's it's him like basically saying. Fuck you, haters, is essentially well, yeah. what the shoe is. It, and it's listed on the entire bottom of his shoe. And Stu Gotts tweeted that, oh, he forgot to put shortcut. And the, the shoes should be called shortcut. And they should take you to right. the, take you to the easiest route <laughs> to get someplace. And KD responded. And Stu Gotts was just like, that made me happy. <laughs> that was the happiest I've been in a long time. Was the fact that yeah. I was somewhat feuding with Kevin Durant. And I'm like, yes, that's what we need. Sight and Sound needs a feud. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping, and we're still in development with the story of your YouTube comment. I mean, I guess so. I mean, ultimately, I just don't really care about it. It's, it's more, uh, it's hilarious to me. It's bizarre. Like it's, oh, from my perspective, it's overly bizarre. Um, <laughs> my, well, actually, here's the thing that makes me happy about it, and I'll get into what's going on. Remember that whole conversation about how I just can't get in touch with anybody in the music space at all. Yeah. But how easy it is for me. Max Landis, the son of John Landis, who directed the thriller video, the guy that directed fucking American werewolf in London and coming to America and commented on my YouTube video. Like, yeah. Music do better. That's all I'm saying. Music people. It's like when I talk to him, he had a he had a short film come out on YouTube. Yeah. And all I did was email him and say, Hey, I've got this website. Do you mind answering a couple questions? I wrote him an email with a ton of questions. He answered them and it was an article. It doesn't exist anymore because my site went down. But it was that easy. I mean, he did a screenplay for probably I would honestly probably say one of my top ten favorite movies in the last decade. For yeah. sure. I think Chronicle is fantastic. But regardless, my only other really knowledge of him really was i watched a movie fights with him and i seen some other stuff i think on schmoes no maybe even collider with him and i'd always had the same opinion of max landis is that i think he is an incredibly smart and brilliant and creative individual but he is an eccentric i think that's you know i think that's most people would agree with that and i've i've also haven't been a huge fan of how he debates things with people and how he discusses things with people. Because he, one thing that he does is he sort of just tries to talk louder than whoever he's having a conversation with. And I think that degrades whatever point that he's making. Um, none of that has anything to do 
with this video that I made. Nothing. So for those that don't know, they're one of Max Landis's things that he's been doing lately. <laughs> and it's been a while now. It's been for like the last six months he's been involved with this. Is he has been he's become infatuated and just enamored with uh, the music of Carly Rae Jepsen. He has stumbled upon a theory and a thesis about her music to, to the point where he has gone through and listened to every single song she's not only ever released, but also features that she's done and even Christmas music in order to come to a conclusion about this thesis and this theory. He put this thing together and he's on a website called a scar. No one else can see.com. And basically you can go and read this. Essentially what Anthony Fantano had said was it was a 150 page document, essentially that might've actually been condensed a little bit in this thing, but regardless. So I, after watching Anthony Fantano's video about it. I went to the website, watched the trailer for it. There's a trailer that exists that essentially states his thesis, right? Are you, have you ever written like collegiate when you were in college? Did you ever write like research papers or thesis papers or whatnot? Uh, no, I, did, I mean, I did some like philosophy papers, but, but they're not what you're talking about now. Right. I, I had to write tons of them. I mean, that was what my, degree was essentially in creating thesis papers and study papers based on music, sociology, and psychology. And or I'm sorry, not music, uh, media. Anyways, so I also went and I started to read some of this, read some of this. And I decided to make a video on our YouTube channel about this. And my, I, I called it, uh, I think, a response and it really wasn't a response. I mean, that was just how I titled it. All it was, first of all, op, uh, objective number one of the video was to inform our audience. Okay? We have an audience. You and I both are the people that this audience watches. We inform them about news and stuff. And I did this video informing people about that. The thing that I was fascinated with I could care less about the Carly Rae Jepsen stuff. I just, I don't care about her music that much. This theory is interesting. I heard the thesis and all this stuff. What's fascinating to me is how in depth he went in on this. Like you do not see this type of analysis from people in the music space that gets this type of attention. Right. And when I walked away from doing that video, I felt great about it. Like I, I wasn't critical of it at all the only thing that I brought up was that people should go and read it and form their own opinions about it. And the only thing that I said is anytime you are going into something like this, a theory or anything like that, just be a little bit skeptical of it because anytime you, any, there are so many research papers and studies and surveys that are done. It is so easy for people and I'm not saying Max did this, but it is so easy for people to write these papers and these studies, scientific journals, and come to a conclusion and find anything and just focus on confirmation bias in order to support their points. Right. That was all I was saying was that people should be aware of that. But all in all, it was a very glowing, positive video. People just started coming on this video and commenting on it and being super like basically going off on me about it 
only because of that last part of the whole skepticism thing. And even he decided to take to the comment section and it's fine. His, his comments were fine. I was a little bit disappointed because I would have liked for him to have said to have been a little bit more, I don't know what's the right word for it. Not necessarily constructive, but just have more of a conversation about it as opposed to being so like accusatory with it. But it it came down to the point where it was like, how can you he, how he, can you comment about something that you haven't even read? He didn't address your video necessarily. Yeah. He he didn't address any of the comments or any of the content. Yeah. Given. The only thing that he focused on what most people were focusing on, they were throwing out this phrase, how can you s- comment on this if you haven't read and, it? And so my reaction to that is for one, I I, I asked you earlier, why, so why didn't you actually read it? But I was asking you in general because right. I just figured it might be something that you're into. But regardless of all of that, you kind of already covered it. Yeah. Well, it, not only is it our YouTube channel, and that might be okay. Even if that sounds too silly, like okay, right. you got to do better than that. It's just the fact that you can make a video about whatever you want. Exactly. Like, like right now. Let's say the video didn't exist and you just happen to bring it up on this podcast. Right. I would never be like, Jay, don't come, don't bring up this video unless you've actually read it. Like, right. that's not, we're, right. we're just talking about it. Or and you making a video is just you talking about it to, like or, you said, our, our, our audience. Or me informing you of it. You could just as easily take me informing you of it and make your own video just on me informing you about it. Like, of course, 100%. Like, it would be the best for – like, here's where I will concede a point. Yes, it would have been great if I would have read the entire thing and done my own analysis of it. But that's not what I did. That's not what I set out to do. And, in fact, I made that point in the video. I could have – and I told you this off air. I could have just as easily said that I read it. I could have completely lied. Yeah. But I didn't. I I address it at the top of the video. First of all, I did read it. I just didn't read the entire thing. I, f- I feel like it only the fact that you made a video yet didn't read it. That only matters if you had pretended that you read it, like right? You said. Or or if I was being critical of the work. So which I wasn't. So to all for one again, I'm loving it. I don't think it's anything to get mad about. I think how we should approach this, like I said. You should just try to corner them and be like, let's actually talk about this and we can make some more sites on content. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, get them on a podcast or something. Well, but uh, I responded. And the thing that is the the stupidest thing was where he suggested that I delete the video. Yeah. As if that's the I most should be dis- em- embarrassed by it. And it's like, what? Are you serious? That's the most disappointing right. thing out, out of all of it. Yeah. It would have been different if I would have been on there and I was belligerent like, Max Lane is a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. There are so many shitty people on YouTube making videos. That video does not sit in that spectrum. Right. Um, but, I mean, he also, and I'm trying to be fair. Absolutely. He, he also has a, a he, he could make a point like you only made the video to capitalize on the situation. To a certain extent. I mean, look, here's like th- that could be his approach. That could be his approach. But, I mean, what I would say to you does have I ever done anything specifically for that in that regard? Well, I mean, the reality of being like we hope that with any video, we hope that right. 
Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, and that that, but that's with anybody. That's with anyone who does trailer reactions. Right. They're hoping to capitalize on what's trending and what's hot and what's you know. In I mean, the, that's just the, the moment. Bu- stuff. That's just the business of so, YouTube in general. Beyond that, right. there's nothing else that's fake about it, other than we're just trying to make that content. Yeah. So, well, well, what it really comes down to, like I've already said, is that I was just fascinated by it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's not often that movies and music like this cross over like this. It, it right. really did serve our audience specifically. The so, music people that, that listen to our stuff and the movie people that listen to our stuff. I mean, it kind of comes down to, look, I can make whatever video I want for my YouTube channel. Yeah. And um, it, it's just me talking about something. But it also, like, it's just, yeah, it also comes down to the fact that it's or, just not that big of a deal. It, or it comes down to the fact that, Max, I'm talking about something you did. That That's the like, whole thing. I was trying to – I, I – Sometimes I forget to link things that I talk about. I specifically linked the video and directed people to check it out. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just silly. My my whole theory on the whole thing, my theory is that he woke up today because this was big news. This was reported around a few places. I mean, it caught you know caught some some heat, like in a good way, and some buzz. And I feel like he woke up this morning and said to himself, I'm going to go on YouTube and see if anybody is either a read it and they're agreeing with me. He, he's a YouTuber. Of course. I know. Of, of or, course. or if people are disagreeing with me, the other thing that I saw or that I did, I went back to Anthony Fantano's video. I was curious of whether or not he come. I mean, this is Anthony Fantano is a massive YouTuber. He has over a million subscribers. Yeah, I, know. I wanted to see if he left a comment there. Obviously, Anthony Fantano's comment section looks a lot different than ours. Yeah. From what I saw, I, I didn't go to the bottom, but I went pretty far and I didn't see anything. And I I would want to know if he would attempt to be as critical with Anthony Fantano as he did with me. I mean, you know, it's sort of like a flat track bully. Are you familiar with that term? Like a, a flat track bully is essentially somebody that only picks on like smaller people to Lesser make points. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, come on, man. Like I, Which I, I, I did comment I, back. And if he, if he, there is an open invitation. If he does want to have an open discussion about it, I'd love to have him. I, on. I don't get that from Max. I right. don't, I don't think that he thinks he's better than anyone. Mm-mm. I don't, I, I've never gotten, I don't, I don't either. Him. I, I think that he is open to listening to anyone. I don't either. I just think that it would have been, I think it would have been nice for him to maybe have some perspective, like to look and say, you know, these guys are, there's no point. Like what is there for him to gain by leaving that comment? I don't know. I guess, I guess he just wanted some control over it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this isn't harming you. Like you just totally took it the wrong way. Anyways, regardless, look, with all that being said, I still, my, my stance on, Max Landis still stands. I think he is a brilliant yeah. individual. You keep saying that, writer. but I don't think that was ever in question. Like you said that well, to me, and I was like, "That's not but, how I but, took it." I but, was- but I mean, obviously, this was like a a thing, and I, I just want people to know that it doesn't. None of it changes my opinion on how I feel. About I'm just it. watching the numbers. <laughs> I, I just want. I just want a feud. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
Ralph, Ralph had a, I think it was Ralph. He had an interesting question. Shout while, out Ralph Leonardo. While we're on the topic of uh, sight and sound content, and then we can move on to the discussion. By the way, we're planning on this being the longest episode of Sight and Sound Weekly. <laughs> well, as soon as as soon as uh, you get finished with this point, I do want to talk. We might bounce around a little bit too, because I want to I want to address this Amazon. TV I, thing. I have like three topics per category right. today. <laughs> well, music so, in general is about like six different bands. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Ralph proposed, and he might have been being funny, but to rega- regardless, he asked I, you to marry. I want to be, uh, I want to take this seriously, whether he was serious or not. Okay. Because we talked about it before. He asked when Sight and Sound Sports was coming out. Um, this is. This is fascinating for a lot of reasons. For one, I've I've thought a lot about, well, we've thought a lot about pre-Sight and Sound developing like a podcast network and we could kind of like manage these other podcasts and get other people involved. And then that that kind of idea faded away and it's kind of evolved a little bit over time. I wouldn't say faded but, away. Well, the specifics ideas that we had have faded away, I think. I mean, we're not actively, Especially with the people that we thought we could have involved. There's always been a bigger picture of Sight and Sound that is just not executable right now. So there's practical. really... No, yeah, practical. There's no re, there's no reason to sit, sit there and plan like the steps right. of everything. So whether... He, but he, he may or may not have been serious, but this is something that I think we've talked about a little bit, and I just wanted to address it here. The way... I I imagine sight and sound sports actually existing, but not until we are able to sustain ourselves purely with sight and sound. So sight and sound sports cannot exist unless we have monetized either the podcast or the YouTube channel to where we don't need other jobs. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, which answers your question or which speaks to what you're saying. There is no way that we can do any new show on a weekly basis past what we already yeah. do. Like it is, it is a luxury that we do not have a TV show to cover right now. Like, yes, it, if we had a TV show to cover right now, there would be no way for us to even think about doing anything additional. When I say that our schedule is maxed out, like. It's literally maxed out. Last weekend, I hung out with friends, and I told Kayla today that that ruined – it didn't ruin it, but it, it was like a huge deterrent on yeah. how much I can get done. And she was like, well, why? And I was like, I just don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, and, and and potentially, we can push doing six shows a week. Yeah. Sight and Sound encompasses five. Sometimes we've Let- gone a week doing all five – including what we do for after smoke this isn't this isn't like gloating this isn't boasting it's also not complaining or whatever yeah it's not complaining either but just just to say it out loud let's run through all the podcasts that that we do we do sight and sound weekly you do sight and sound movies from time to time we do after parties from time to time we do sight and sound music every single week we do uh tv recaps when they're available i just said five shows under sight and sound we do after Schmo. We do uh, Let's Talk Legion as well. 
Yeah, that's seven. To be fair, that's seasonal, but right, there but there is a time when that. That's is what a, I'm saying. Like, it, how many things we're involved with? We also right. have the YouTube channel. We're also designing merchandise. We're also planning other things. As Kayla's silly as it sounds, Stardust. Kayla always forget to do that. Kayla's in here with a sandwich. Now that that means the dogs are going to follow. What kind of sandwich you make? It looks a little. Is that burnt. a panini? I was. I need to get a panini press. All the all those cards. I'm talking while Kayla's talking because if we just let her talk, then it's dead air. But <laughs> but we're listening. <laughs> here's here's a statement I want to make about this sandwich right now. So As she pulls it is strange to me. I, I, I <laughs> there was a there was a day that I realized somebody offered to make me a sandwich and they started getting out things like cheese and lettuce and Good. other things, and I thought it was the most bizarre thing in the world. I have so much admiration what? for people that put additional effort into making sandwiches. A sandwich to me is two slices of bread, meat, and some sort of condiment. Absolutely not. Well, I'm just saying. This Kayla is did my it take. right. Dolly, back off! <clears throat> so Satan's on sports. Okay. Kayla's going to – Kayla wants to talk about this what's on a sandwich. It's dead air. This isn't good radio. Okay. Oh, okay. Give, give her a mic. This, well, it's artisanal bread, mozzarella. She lowered her voice for the bucket. bread. Bread, mozzarella, avocado, <laughs> Roma tomatoes, basil, salt, pepper, um, a little bit of marinara, and some garlic. And I think there's avocado in there. Did I already say that? You said oh, and that. Green bell peppers. If I like the addition of the if, marinara. If you're making another, oh, swear to Zeus. Here, do you need to? <laughs> yeah, need to cut Ryan the randomly had a box cutter in his back pocket. It's for my job. Um, so, uh, so, no, 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 so, sight and yeah, sound yeah, yeah. music. I've made the joke before. That anytime, I'm sorry, sight and sound uh, sports. I've always made the joke coming in 2020. <laughs> that, that's probably when Kanye West is our president. That is probably a legitimate hope. Like that's that's a thing. And and I've always said like. When we first started putting together the idea of sight and sound, it was supposed to be something that could encompass whatever the fuck we wanted to talk about. Mm. Now, um, what types of show, Jay? What type of show would you host on Sight and Sound Sports? Well, of course, it would be a soccer podcast. So that's really it. I I wouldn't. I don't need to host it. But I don't either. I was thinking about if we dip our toes into sports, we'd have to do it individually individual sports like unless we just wanted Absolutely. To, unless we had like a daily topical show like a lebitard or something but that would be i, I, I don't think as well, i don't think there i don't think there would be any reason for there never to be a sight and sound sports sight, weekly sight and sound sports would be designed like weekly would exactly oh Kayla just God. fell this is this is pathetic what's happening right now so <laughs> but one thing I was thinking about when I came over here is the the first sport that I think we should dip our toes in. It, feel free to do soccer on your own, but because um, I couldn't do that. Well, of course, maybe Goodman. But uh, I don't want anything to do with him. Goodman and Patrick could do a soccer podcast with Patrick. Him. Not not that you don't have much more knowledgeable. I'm just saying. But could, uh, could Patrick and I do a soccer and Frank Ocean appreciation podcast together? Probably. Yes. Um. Anyway, I think NBA. Would 100% be top priority. Uh, I would get Eric. I mean, I would say NFL would be top priority. 100%. Mm, 
Mm. Well, yeah, it's the biggest sport in America. Come on. Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't go on the longest. And I'm watching Indy trying to lick this tomato off that tray, and he just can't get it, even though it's totally within reach. Uh, NBA would be. You're only saying that because it's the thing that you're the biggest fan of. Exactly. I would be doing the NBA podcast, and I would get Eric on, and you know who I would get to host it? Who? And again, this is in a, a scenario where sight and sound is a thing now. Like, it's legitimate. Matt Nost. Okay. That would be a great basketball podcast. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is even even if we didn't have day jobs and we could just do this full time, I think I, I don't think I would do anything with it. Sight and Sound Sports. I would oversee, like, make sure, you know. You wouldn't do the soccer show? Probably not. I still don't have enough time. Yeah, you do. If you woke up, if Sight and Sound was a thing and you woke up at 8 a.m. Here's a problem. Like, All I have to do is Here's design a problem with soccer. podcast. Here's a problem with soccer, man. You have to wake up at 4 a.m. No, I don't have any problem watching soccer. That's not the issue. The issue with soccer is it literally goes on all year. Like, it is, a, I mean, whatever you know about sports like drama and all this stuff that the the um you know the uh what do you call it the soap opera of sports it's completely different for soccer it's a global sport you have to pay attention to multiple countries and multiple leagues yeah Yeah. and it's just it's just such a a beast but not necessarily too i mean you know there could be there could be uh, a just general soccer podcast. You could probably do one for an individual team. That there's, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I know it's incredibly specific to something, but our, you know, it is what well, it is. Our friend Say Marcou is does well for himself doing a podcast yeah. about the the Dolphins. So absolutely. I mean, um, once we're absolute billionaires, we can hire Sam Marcou and Mark Fernandez to do a uh, we gotta, Miami Dolphins podcast. We got to get our Patreon page up. I know. We got to get on that. Let's talk about Amazon. Amazon is. Do you watch any shows on Amazon? Yeah. What show? Mr. Robot, The Americans. I meant. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? I, Kayla I just watched, started Man in High Castle. I watched so. those few. I've seen the pilot of Man in the High Castle. Maybe even like not not even the entire thing. Yeah. Half of it. Uh, I've watched like. Five episodes of Bosch randomly, and I don't remember why. Do you remember? I watched that's that show about Chris Bosch. Yeah, he looks like a living raptor. I watched Bosch, but I because I heard season three, which was this year's season, was great, and so I started watching it, and it it kind of felt a little. It's not a procedural, but it felt close enough to where it, it's a cop show. So I was just kind of like okay, sneaky Pete. There's a well, it's not so, it's not even that bad. <laughs> it's not even that bad with that aspect. But it, it's the cop show, so it's just that cop back and forth dialogue, like that part of it is there. And I just I was like, okay, whatever. But it just yeah. kind of fell off. But I, I I haven't seen Transparent. I haven't seen Catastrophe. Uh, I watched that first episode of Goliath, the the, the Billy Bob Thornton show. But I, none of them have ever. Uh, they don't take. Right. They just don't take with me. It's it's mainly been to watch shows that they license. Well, I mean, the brilliance of Amazon is that I don't know. I honestly don't. Do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah. I honestly don't know anybody that doesn't have Amazon Prime. Like, you kind of just get it already. 
there's just so many benefits to it. Yeah, and Amazon in general, I mean, have they essentially have unlimited money. But the reason we're talking about Amazon is because this news story came out and I actually heard about it via the watch and I thought it was fascinating that I, I don't know if it was Jeff Bezos, if it was actually him or if it was just somebody in their TV department essentially said not necessarily halt all TV stuff, but they have essentially canceled a, a bunch of shows and they have made it a point to say that all hands on deck to go out and find the next Game of Thrones to, Good. to be on Amazon. Now, this is fascinating to me because we are now in this realm. We have these players in the TV landscape, obviously, you know, still rocking it hard on cable and, and network, but Netflix, Hulu, I don't need to go all into those. But when you start to bring in these gigantic tech conglomerate corporations, it's been bounced around that Apple could be the next one to be in the game. And I don't want to get into that conversation right now. But for Amazon, who has way more money than Hulu, way more money than Netflix, way more money than HBO, this is incredibly exciting. One of the things that I love the most about the state of pop culture, the state of media right now is that I've said it. And if this isn't proof, all the power is in the hands of the creators. And that is incredibly, incredibly exciting for me. I I haven't even gotten to looking at this for like a global landscape right. thing. Right now I'm thinking of, of it personally. So personally, I hear that news and say, excellent, because Game of Thrones does kind of like tuck everything else away. Like when it's when it's time to watch Game of Thrones, I don't give a shit about every other TV show. Every other it's TV, a benchmark. Every other TV show might as well be produced by uh, my cousin next door. Like, yeah. it, right, that's horrible. But the point is, is that it, a new sitcom? <laughs> it just it's just instantly becomes small time. Like because they just are so radically different. Yeah. In terms of production and cost and everything like that. Um, so give me some more of that. 100%. While, give me some more of that Two, take away the fluff because again, even with Netflix and we, I hold Netflix in the highest regard, but even with Netflix, it's like chill out, calm down. It's a little too much for all of us. This is way too much. You're talking like, about Netflix. I'm talking about the TV landscape in general. Just dumping, just dumping money into they hopefuls, literally, hopefuls. They literally just shit out shows. Yeah, they're hoping for the next Stranger Things on every single thing that they and, put out. And it's just like I, I want them to personally <laughs> calm down. I just had a great sports analogy. This is like it reminds me of when the the football team in like the second quarter is still running like straight up the middle. I remember somebody telling me one time, every play that we run, a coach told me, every single play that we run is meant to score a touchdown. No, it's not. If you did, you wouldn't be throwing or you wouldn't be running directly up the middle. HB draw. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's how. That's how. Or like a cross slant that's only meant for three yards. That's how things like Netflix are. Like, Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Like, putting out these shows. It's like cross slants. Like, why are you wasting our time with shows like fucking i don't even know i don't even like a sneaky pete like what the hell well brian Cra that 
Never. That's de- yeah. Brian Cranston talked about how that was like his passion project because that's what he was called growing up. And so anyway, yeah. Uh, so uh, so yeah. But anyway, personally, it's like I want the TV landscape to calm down so I can catch up with everything, right? Um, and so that's good. But also at the same time, I can't help but hope that it really challenges Hollywood. Okay. I have two gigantic questions with this conversation. One is, does it worry you, scare you, or excite you that TV now could start to be in the same business that movies are in with blockbusters? Because one of the great things about television is that we we are capable of getting shows that just, I'm sorry, they just wouldn't succeed if they were movies. Like, they just don't have that Mr. sort Robot. of power. Exactly. We can take more chances on television. But a lot of people on the watch actually pose this question, but the blockbusterization of television, does that threaten some of the more niche sort of projects, like in Atlanta or something like that? What I will say, though, if Mr. Robot ended up being a movie, I think it would be straight to DVD movie. Right. That would be... It's just too barely, hard. It's too hard to sell. It's also just a complete rip of another movie. That's true. When you're right. When when it becomes a movie, it is a complete Fight rip. Club light, yeah. Yes. Totally. Uh Christian Slater. Like I, I worked <laughs> I worked at Blockbusters. <laughs> right. I, at Blockbuster. I don't know how many Blockbusters. Yeah, I worked Do you at, remember I was gonna text you this. Do you remember when I mist- uh, I had mistaken Christian Slater for Kevin Bacon? <laughs> yeah, which was so dumb. <laughs> anyway They were um, one and the same to me for some reason. Does it worry me? Look. I think there would have been a time there, there's a time and maybe there still is a part of me that's like where are the like the loopers where are the where are the mid-range budget movies the they're, chances they're yeah. gone but they're also never coming back so I'm trying to look ahead yeah and I think that I like the idea of television challenging Hollywood to do better so no it doesn't bother me if Amazon wants to make a boss ass show, expensive as hell, and give me another Game of Thrones. I want Hollywood to be afraid. Does it scare you for movies? That was going to be another question. I want it to be. I want Hollywood to feel challenged and to feel afraid, uh, and to be thinking harder, right, about the movies that they are developing, the quality of stories that we are getting. So you think maybe and it's I, like a trickle down effect? Maybe a move like this could affect potentially the movie industry as well to make them more selective. I think that's a good point. Yes. And which is weird because on the, on the flip side, Amazon is also producing film or at least distributing film. And, and this is something that happened way back, especially when I was getting into screenwriting. At at first it was just like a community. Amazon, uh, sold books, Amazon studios, uh, was like a a screenwriting community platform yeah. where screenwriters publish draft of their screenplay. It would be like, here's the movie and they could publish six screenplays. And it's basically a, a forum where other screenwriting friends would read their stuff. And that's essentially what became the Amazon studios that we see right. now. Distributing things like Manchester by the sea. Yeah. So, and this was years ago when that got started up. So that's it's interesting that they they are doing both. And not that, you know, of course, like NBC, the parent company, I can't remember who it is, but it's like 
Universal? Universal's parent yes, company. Yes, that's right. NBC. So it's like I, I know that it's not new for a, a company to, but at the same time, they're they're separate. There's a TV division. There's a movie division. Right. Yeah, like and Fox. So, Fox uh, has Fox News, but they also have Family Guy, which are like couldn't be two polar opposites. But and other. it's like Disney owns uh, uh, Buena Vista, yeah. and they own Miramax, which distributed. Pulp Fiction, right? It's like Disney, Marvel Netflix series. They're never going to release a Marvel Netflix ser- series that contests right. the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like by design, they are supposed to be different corners because you know you want to well different playgrounds exactly. Yeah. So Amazon is doing it differently, right? Because of that, they they want the Game of Thrones, but they also want to. Get into the film business. Well, there's also there's it also has to be said too that Amazon possesses something that no other studio, no other service really produces. They also have data in the realm of books, music, mm-hmm. purchase. I mean, all that data to support whatever buying power they have. Also, marketability, like the fact that oh. What's that? Okay, we have our Game of Thrones. Now we're going to sell the merchandise on our platform. That's another thing, too. So two things that what you just said. Amazon's able to look at, oh, this is now the hottest book this month. Okay, develop a script. Yeah, and I don't even know if that's so, going to be a thing. But yes, to your point, but it's totally there's no possible. reason not to, 100%. And, and secondly, you know that every single time I turn on my Kindle, the screensaver is an ad. Right. Whether it be an ad for anything in general or something specifically from the Amazon marketplace or something that I can buy on my Kindle. They, they have everyone's eyeballs. Whereas if I asked you what studio produced the Martian, you would have no idea, but someone who goes to Amazon every single day will know instantly that Amazon is also making movies and it's just the eyeballs are there the the next part of the conversation that i want to get into here's why this is so exciting for i think our audience and and you and i in general when they they named rightfully so they name dropped game of thrones but when they name drop something like that it's not just they didn't just say we want the next biggest show they specifically identified game of thrones there is no hotter property right now than the type of ip that revolves in the fantasy sci-fi superhero types of worlds when we when we bring up things like oh could marvel ever buy back the rights to spider-man like disney in general has their hands in so many places they've never come right out and say that that's a main objective if this was amazon or if disney said like their main objective was something like we need to do something this big and drastic they would probably be like fucking buy back spider-man <laughs> like my, my biggest question to you is a what is the property that exists and b could you see them saying i mean I, like what's the biggest untapped property? That's the first question. The second question is, could you ever foresee them saying like, this is the most drastic, okay, what I'm about to say. Obviously, I know this would never happen. But if they were to be like, well, Star Wars is the biggest thing, like give me a price on Star Wars. Obviously, we know that wouldn't happen. But could you no. see them even attempting to go after some something from somebody else trying to buy a property? It's really tough. Yeah. And sometimes 
Okay, you look we're, at something. We're also not wildly you, speculating. Too. You look at something like you look at the fact that Netflix just purchased the rights to Mark Miller's universe, right? So, like, those are things that I would never dream of. Yeah, the, like I, stuff, I wouldn't be able to. Like, yeah, I couldn't have ever called that because right. I guess in my mind, and this might be just my ignorance, but at the I, I didn't really figure that that was a, a a contained universe like a thing. Yeah. So. It, also, do you think there's any hope at all that – do you think that something like, like this signifies like – do you think they would ever potentially try to develop something from scratch? I don't think that's it, the answer. If if Amazon – they have to like pick up – I think that, that they would do really well. Maybe not – maybe so much capitalizing on the hottest properties. Like I can't think of like Harry Potter's taken, Marvel, DC. All that stuff is taking, taken – but what we're going to get later this year or early next year, Amazon's produced Jack Ryan TV series right. with John Krasinski. So it's like maybe they could start kind of chipping at those, like just pulling. I mean, Hollywood does that, too. I yeah. mean, there was a Jack Ryan movie 2013 or something like that. So it's like it's not like it's that obscure of a property, right. but it's the one that no one is doing. Yeah, because that movie didn't go anywhere. Chris Pine, whatever. But. But it's like I think if Amazon might be able to pull some of those smaller ones and maybe do something, whether it be produce a movie or – it's just – it's really hard to tell. It is. Uh, and, and, and it's it's hard for me to answer just because out, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other property that I've been dying to see right. that hasn't come to fruition yet. I've been outspoken before that the authority is something in terms of comic book world – doesn't have the biggest fan base, so that would obviously... Well, I would just challenge you to go outside of comics in general, though. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. If they want the Game of Thrones, they need to find something that already has a fan base built into it. And like that's why I specifically said your science fiction properties, your comic book properties, though, that those are the biggest selling points, right? I mean... You mentioned Harry Potter, and obviously it's own the rights are owned by Warner Brothers, and I couldn't see them ever really relinquishing that. But there is a little person by the name of J.K. Rowling that exists, and I don't know how much pull she should have. I know she's rich as fuck, but um, you know, I I don't I don't think that's even a realistic well, I mean, thing. But but that Warner Brothers can still partner with amazon absolutely yeah that's not out of the question and that that's the other thing too is you know could amazon basically be a financier for somebody and basically cut a deal to distribute something like that i mean that's it's all fascinating it's all incredibly fascinating um and that also brings up a whole other conversation that i don't really want to dive into of just like all these services in general wanting to to develop their own streaming service when it's just nonsense but man it's exciting i think it's great news for us as consumers that they are i that's the most bizarre thing about this like if this was a meeting they had in a boardroom and it just got out and we never knew about it like i could understand somebody just saying that yeah casually but the fact that they've made it known, I mean, I'm sure their stock went up when they just announced this. It's like, holy fuck. I mean, that's a big deal, man. I don't know. I do want to bring up Game yeah. of Thrones. Are okay. we done there? Yeah, sure. I want to take a break here in a second because it's a pee-pee and I'm hot. Okay. Um, 
So Game of Thrones, it was announced that they are recording multiple endings. I saw for, that. For I didn't dive into it, though. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say other than it just reminded me of Lost. Um, was it the end of season five or four? Wasn't there a rumor that they there were, was, that they recorded fake endings to throw the cast off? For Lost? Yeah. No, they did. That's what I'm about to okay. talk. That's what I was going to mention. <laughs> just ruin, was, ruin, ruin your I, ending. Well, I, I obviously was going there, so that was <laughs> weird that you did that. But uh, it was... I can't remember which finale it was, but there's a reveal, and I won't spoil the show, but there's a reveal where the camera pans up and they look at who is inside a particular casket right. in a funeral home. Oh, I knew that. And, yeah, I And that, that might have been the end of season four. I, I thought it was the and ending of the show itself. The ending of the show itself, they didn't print the entire cast was missing pages. It was like redacted. To a not, scene yeah. that only involved two actors. Right. Uh, but I don't think they didn't film multiple endings to my knowledge, but they did film multiple endings to that casket thing. What's the purpose of this? Are they trying to test? Are they going to test it with audiences? So because it's so highly pirated, mm. uh, okay. and, and not the show itself, but the, the script leaking, right? I think that the, if they're worried about a script being leaked, well, they, sometimes they just leak it. Themselves. They want it. They want it to possibly be the inaccurate ending um because they do in a way have the ability it's not like they're well i guess you wouldn't even have the i was what i was gonna say is it's not like we have a book to right go after but obviously okay then the ending wouldn't be spoiled because then the book would actually exist but anyway so i think that that's one thing what if that george R. 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 martin just came out and was like fuck this show. but uh <laughs> But uh, I think the other thing, too, is that I think they just want it to be fun for the actors, too, because the actors don't get to the actors are the only people on the planet that don't get to enjoy Game of Thrones the same way we do. But it's so it, it'll give them that. I think it's, it's just fun. It's hard for me to even picture what an ending of Game of Thrones is like. I, I literally have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I wanted I wanted our TV topic to be the deuce, but do you want to uh, go PP? Well, I definitely need to take a break, but why don't we just transition to something else, then we can talk about the deuce later, if we want to. Are we still not in the meat, the three categories? Not really. We're not. Let's just we won't do the deuce. <laughs> the show's nothing. No, I want to talk about the deuce. It doesn't matter that you think it's nothing. It's something to talk about. We both seen it. I have. I want to talk about it. Okay, let me take a break. Let me pee-pee. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about something else. Headphones are a massive part of our everyday lives. Chances are you're probably listening to this podcast on headphones right now. That's how important they are. And we know there are a lot of headphone companies out there to choose from. Let's talk about Studio Sweden. That's S-U-D-I-O Sweden. They offer a wide range of different types of headphones, including traditional wired options as well as wireless. If you're an iPhone 7 user, you're probably looking for a pair of affordable wireless headphones, and Studio Sweden has you covered. They've got wireless earbuds as well as over-the-ear options, and if you like to stay plugged in, they've got you covered there as well. Go to studiosweden.com and check them out. If you pick up a pair, 
Make sure you use the promo code Sight and Sound 15 for 15% off. That's Sight A N D Sound 15 for 15% off at studiosweden.com. Let's talk about the deuce. I hate when you get in these moods. If it's, I think you're really bad at like separating like. We should only talk about things that I like versus what's actually going to be the proper relevant subject for a weekly pop culture podcast. You want my what's your response? My hot take. Um, I don't think. Uh, well, mainly it's I'm concerned about what we can entertain our audience with. Well, it doesn't have to be a thirty-minute conversation. I know, I'm aware of that. Also, if we can, if we can talk about Room 104 on the podcast and get someone like Christina involved in that show, the Deuce. My hot take with the Deuce is, uh, I don't think anybody's going to watch this show. Why? I don't think that it has much uh, appeal. Um, I also found. I mean, we just get right into it. I found the show incredibly slow. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Deuce. Let's talk. Let's talk about what it is before we go straight into our reaction. Okay. The Deuce is HBO's new show, and some people were worried about it, sort of being categorized as another vinyl. Right. Um, I was hoping for not that this was by any means like a like a criminal type of story cuz like there's no like police versus main character type right. scenario there's it's no, not, it's not a, no it's like not a mystery case, yeah but i wanted i wanted this to be another night of and that was actually my approach knowing that we only had the first episode so far because Is it- i think they released the first episode a couple weeks earlier than the rest of the series was going to be. Is released. that only because it was like a standalone thing? Is that why? Yes. So you mean night of my, like, the, in terms of the response the, to the, it, the, the the response and the attitude. Right. Like this is just going to be a thing, and here's this first episode, and I went into it hoping we agree that the night of was the pilot was one of the best pilots we've ever seen. Period. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's what I wanted out of this. The other thing that I was looking forward to. By the way, this is about the show is about uh, it's 1971 and it's about the start of the porn industry, right? Yeah, and and more I think more importantly, uh, New York City at that time. Yeah, the just in general the culture, which is interesting then. because you talk about people not watching the show, but people watch something like The Get Down which is not something that was well-received critically, right. but but people... Did people watch The Get Down? People... I'm not saying a lot of people watched it, but... Some people, yeah. I understand. Some people saying. did yeah. watch it, but now we're talking about something that's on HBO. It's got David Simon's name behind it. You had two James Franco's. I mean, it's... Followed the the premiere... Well, the pilot episode followed the, the Game of Thrones finale. Yeah, I think it's very much in people's faces. Right. So I don't... I'm not comfortable saying that no one will watch it. But I also haven't even seen much of a reaction at all from people. But um, I don't know if that's just because it's only this first episode and people don't know what to make of it yet. Uh, And to be fair, I haven't even – I've only watched the show. I haven't even actually searched for any response to it. But uh, but anyway, so 
This show was created by David Simon, who is responsible for giving us. Am I getting that name wrong? No. Always get his name confused with the. There's like a. Hold on. I know this sounds stupid, but I can't. <laughs> I can't remember what. There's like a couple of Davids that sound like. There's, <laughs> there's like a few a, Davids. There's the a world. David like Slade, isn't there? That sounds like a. The guy from Big Little Lies? No, I don't know. David Simon. Okay, so David Simon is responsible for uh, The Wire and Treme. So I feel like the creator of The Sopranos is another David, and that's what I get confused about. Who created this? I don't is, know. This are you high a, right now? Are you getting paranoid? People are going to call you out? Who created The Sopranos? I know I'm getting <laughs> their names mixed up. David Chase. See? I knew it. So David Simon is responsible for The Wire and Treme. And what I'll say is that The Deuce will be my first opportunity to watch a David Simon show. Because I have yet to watch The Wire. Treme, I didn't even know was a thing because I didn't like I I know it existed. Yeah. But I didn't didn't have HBO. I wasn't watching HBO beyond Entourage. So I saw the DVD at Blockbuster, didn't think anything of it, didn't know. You're born from Kentucky. He's certainly in Tremay. Did. What's that guy's name? Lives in Georgetown? Steve Zahn? Yeah. He's Is he in Tremay? Tremay? Yeah, 100%. So I was excited about that. I was excited about the possibility of having another night of scenario where we leave the year thinking that this is one of the best shows. I am not. What's your take on James Franco? I love James Franco. I'm Same. a big fan of a lot of things that, that he's been in. I really? think he's a fantastic actor. Absolutely. I think he's a great actor. Really? Um, 100%. I think he's done several things to show that he is not a great actor. In fact, I think he's kind of overrated. Um, And there's just not anything I particularly like with with him. Like, 127 Hours was good. And I thought he's good in that movie, certainly. But there's other things that I like Pineapple Express? I love Pineapple Express. But other than that, James Franco is not a name that gets me excited ever. Yeah, have you ever he, seen Milk? Is it's great at Milk? I haven't seen Milk because he is good at it. Yeah, it's it's great. So I didn't really care that he was in it, and I certainly didn't care that there were two of them in it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> well, I was, there's not two of them. There's I one of them. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's just funny. It's the way that you know people say there are two Michael Fassbenders in Alien Covenant. Spoiler. So. Um, so yeah, now let your mind wander. Now I know all about it. I've, <laughs> I've read the entire synopsis of that film. <laughs> so so that, much I care. That's what I was hoping for, and it, and I saw that movie uh, Middleman or Middleman who with Luke Wilson, and that was sort of about how he got into porn. But that was more of like how Boogie uh, Nights, how they capitalized. I haven't seen Boogie Nights. Kevin Marks. What the fuck. I saw Middleman. It's a overrated. I don't know why people like that movie so much. Boogie Nights? Yeah. Isn't it like long as hell? Yeah. And it, it doesn't long? need to be. That, yeah. No pun intended. Um, it's it's kind of an overrated movie, I feel like. I haven't like. seen it. You know what else is kind of overrated but still really great? Children of Men. Great movie. That movie's not overrated. A little overrated. When I found it's out not that that movie, it's overrated because people don't freak out about it. That is not true. That's and a great movie. That, it is a great movie, and it's not overrated I because f- we're I found, the only ones talking about that movie I f- right now. I found out that 
uh, I, f- I forget the guy's name. The big movie reviewer for Rolling Stone named Peter, that as uh, Peter Travers. One of the most important movies of the decade. One of the greatest movies of all time. And I was like, what? It's it's, it's one. It's fine. It it's is one hundred percent one of just the- because it has a great tracking shot. Relax. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason why people think it's good. Yeah, that's it. Because, just the tracking shot. Just the tracking shot. What's that guy's name? Alfonso Cuarón. No, the other guy, the star of the movie, Clive Owen. He's been in. He's a good actor. He's been in nothing great. What? That's not true. <laughs> All right, I'm over this. We're talking about the news. Children of Men is easily one of the best science fiction movies to come out in my generation. There's a lot of other great movies. Better. The Force Awakens is better than Children of Men. That's not science fiction. So The Force Awakens is better than Children of Men. That's my hot take. Do you agree with that? Uh, stop. Let's talk about the deuce. What? <laughs> we don't have to have formats. So uh, we're going all over the place. So anyway, <laughs> I watched the show. And I wouldn't. The only the only thing that I knew going into it was that people were saying, and this came from John Schnepp. He said that, and I didn't know this because I haven't seen anything David Simon. But this is a slow burn guy, and this is the part. This is the part that I want to talk to you about. Something like Twin Peaks, where I thought the return of it was a slow burn. I thought we basically got nothing and I was out immediately. And I mm. said, fuck this. I don't need to watch the rest of it. And other people were saying, hey, you gotta watch the rest. See what happened. No, I was totally dismissive of continuing Twin Peaks. This is a slow burn and it does help to know it going in, but I'm not dismissive actually at all. Okay. For this episode. But much like you said with Boogie Nights, after seeing this show, I realized that this doesn't need to be an hour and a half either. Right. So I think that that might be one of my biggest problems is that it was so stretched out to where we didn't even get to the point. And I have no problem with this. If the show ends up like barely getting into porn, maybe that's the end of season one and they come back for season two and really get into it. Like The Wire, the way it has different... Each season, it's right. its own thing, like The Leftovers. I'm cool with that. Uh, and, you know, maybe shame on us for thinking that the show is something that it isn't. But there is there was some concern. But you are getting, I think, really great setups with these characters, uh, with both uh, brothers that James Franco plays. I feel like I know them both very well. They were well fleshed out for the pilot. And, hey, what? That's something, you know, what else can you ask for? But some re- really great characters, a great setup for a pilot. Because um, that's what you need to do is play at the seeds. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, I thought, was set up really well. And um, CC and some of the pimps. Like, I feel like... Red Man. I w- that was Method. Method Man, excuse me. <laughs> so, I feel like I really understand all of these characters. And I think that was done really well. I like the way that it was written. Uh, I, but I think I don't care for the length of it all. Um, but I enjoyed the show and, and it was just a lot of, it was just a lot of getting to know the character. It wasn't so much like how, how are these characters coming together? How do they know each other? It's not a whole lot about 
driving what I think the show wants to be. It just took its time to inform the audience or the characters. And I think most of the pilots that we watch do both right away. Uh, what's it, in the night of what's his name at Ad, Adnan Ed, or is, no, that's cereal. <laughs> what's his name in the night of? I don't know. Regardless, we get to know his character while getting the inciting incident, the thing that sits up the entire season. Lost starts with the plane crash, and then we learn about our characters while we learn about the island. It's like there's a lot. It's it's the balance there, but this episode didn't have the balance, and that's why I think it's so interesting to talk about because I'm still not dismissive or walking away from it having regretted the experience. Yeah, uh, I mean, you touched on the thing that I sort of let off with. Just it's an incredibly it's an incredibly slow show. It's unfortunate that you know pilots are pilots are what they are they're the first show in a in a pilot first episode i don't remember where i heard it from but i'm stealing it regardless pilots are promises exactly and you know obviously i'm i'm in tune with things behind the scenes i know what the show is supposed to be about and i'm sort of looking at this from like the perspective of something like a breaking bad where the the premise necessarily like a show about a teacher who becomes a meth dealer isn't necessarily something on paper that I'm just like, can't wait to get excited for. And I, I can't wait to watch. And so I'm always, what, why are you shaking your head? I'm just watching out Dolly's like, uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm, will, I'm willing to give you. something like this, you know, a chance and, and I, I want to enjoy it, but I just don't find it anything about this show interesting at all like at the end of the day like we're seeing some stories about some characters that okay like you got to give me more than that 19 late 60s early 70s new york also not interesting you know how i feel about just quote-unquote period pieces in general i don't like living in the past it just so dumb. nothing nothing about this is interesting to me like the the story of porn and all this stuff like i just don't care about it man like i really don't care and the show itself didn't do its job in revealing why i'm really supposed to care other than showing me some shit that people are going through and i just you know right now the show has been relegated to i hope to hear some buzz about it about why i should care that's I, I wasn't as privy to the night of coming out and being something that I was supposed to be paying attention to um, until obviously the buzz just, it became so, so unavoidable that I had to watch it. So that's, I mean, I hope that it comes back, but as of right now, I'm not hearing the buzz from the places that I normally get buzz. Obviously, you know, they've only shown this one episode, but even leading up to that, like no, nobody's like, which you would think wouldn't be the case, right? I mean, we're coming off of the night of, which it's, was so promising. It's it's fascinating so going back and thinking about what we've examined this year and how a trailer for a show like Big Little Lies captured our imaginations. Exactly. More than seeing the vague stuff about the deuce. Yeah. Uh, which... Yeah, even the trailers themselves. Like, I was never... I saw a lot of trailers about it and I was just kind of like, Oh, and the the only thing that I was interested in from these trailers was the cast, which big little lies had that about it. But the big little lies trailer also promised a little bit more. 
Right. So I I think this is one of those cases that if I was told what to expect, I would feel a whole lot better about it. Right. And that's why I like talking about this now. If the people that are listening to this are looking for a new show to watch. Uh, just know that the show, it's you don't get the island too. You don't get yeah. the plane crash. James Franco's, one of James Franco's character arcs is just how he resolves something with his wife, essentially. Right. You also get... You also get characters in the show that have been developed so little. They've been introduced, certainly, yeah. but they're developed so little that all you have Also, is- the dynamic of, like, mistaken identity, which I actually did find mildly interesting. Like, this, yes, yes, this yes. city and, you know, James Franco plays a twin brother. In a, plays in a, two brothers. In a time period with ha- that has that lack of technology. Exactly. It's, it makes it more interesting as well. And, and that's that's an interesting dynamic. He, he plays twins is what we're talking about. It's an about. interesting dynamic, but it's not like the show is like leaning on that at all. No, 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 no. So, um, and that's the other thing too. Like if somebody would have said to me like, it's a show about porn coming to prominence and guess what? There's some crazy shit going. Like nobody's yeah. really saying that. So, yeah, but since Porn doesn't even show up at all. You, I, I liked the seeds of it though, because there were things that James Franco's character was that was experiencing. It, you kind of started to see gears turn. I think what will eventually be what the show is all about. There was a really great line at the beginning of the episode, and I can't think of it, but I remember it being so. It just it was such a great setup for how he's going to feel later in life or feel later about the whole, anyway, I can't remember what the line is, but, uh, but yeah, there are so many quote unquote promises and setups in the show that were just purely introduction that we have no idea what to make about some of these characters yet. Uh, our old girl that plays, uh, Garvey's friend in season one of lost who just moved to New York, got hooked up with CC. Like that was just, we watched her get a job. Uh, the college student as well. You said season one of Lost. You mean season one of Leftovers. Leftovers. I'm sorry. Yes. So we we got – it's it was so purely just these introductions that we have no idea what to make of any of these characters. Right. So anyway, that's, that's all I wanted to talk about really is I think that – I'm interested if people uh, – take uh take in the show better knowing what it is before going into it because i i'm not out like i i'm ready to watch episode two i'm not hyped i would never use the word hyped but i'm there i'm intrigued i'm willing to give myself to the next episode certainly uh but i do i do agree that it didn't need to be this long especially for an episode that was so purely concentrated on just intro i i almost wondered too what this show would look like to me in terms of its promise if the landscape of this year of television wasn't as great as it was, it's also, it just has to be said, like for me, if, if I had to, (laughs) if I had to give like the Jay Williams take on this show to me, it's right now, it's just about, it's a show about some people doing some things. And I know that's ridiculous, but that's literally is what it's about. There's really nothing more to it. And I just don't like, for me, it's just, that's not enough right now with the landscape of television. Like, I would have if you would have told me we've already talked about Big Little Lies, another show that I've just absolutely loved this year. A show like Atypical, like you know what I mean. It, the list that I have to recommend to people is so much more interesting than what this is delivering. On. So, 
I told you that I was watching it and that I wanted to talk about it on the show. You had already watched it. Yeah. So for someone who I feel like you had. I didn't watch it really by choice. It just was on. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this. <laughs> that's, I mean, so that's, that's what's more fascinating to me. upon it. That more you than had anything. already had it watched. You had watched the entire thing. It wasn't something you turned off. Right. Like, you know, some of the other Netflix series, like, like a Marvel show, for example. Well, those are just um, not that great. So. so I don't know. I was just fascinated that you you had yourself watch it in the in its entirety but not ultimately walk away with anything so i'll tell you what it's a little bit slow for television right now which is probably for this show's benefit but if anybody's needing something to watch atlanta was finally made available on hulu and for those of you who have not taken the time to watch uh atlanta it's finally available and do yourself a fucking favor because I have just had the best time revisiting the show again. And it is just reminding me of how amazing it was to watch the show and just how validated I was by, we both named it very high. I think it was your number two show of the year. Yeah. I mean, to right now for it to have the title of my favorite show, um, I just feel we, so validated by it. I, I don't, we've had conversations before. We had like our year-end wrap-up when we talked about our favorite shows of last year. I don't think we've ever talked about the fact that you can just kind of jump in at any point. Sort of, yeah. So There are particular episodes that do well, not rely on so, the storyline. So the first setup, or the, excuse me, the first episode sets up his relationship with Paperboy, his cousin, right. and what he wants to do. But the rest of the season doesn't really focus on that all you have to know is that they're just cousins or friends because they there, get in, in there hijinks are so and, many well there's not i mean there's not an abundance of episodes but so much of this for as small of a package as it is is so has so much rewatchability factor to it yeah which here's what was weird about atlanta even when it was on i and i've never done this before i would rewatch episodes like on my dvr yeah. I think like we rewatched a couple and I was showing them to people. Oh, it was just amazing. My my question was going to be like, since we're talking about trying to recommend other people watch it, um, do you recommend watching it the traditional way? Because, I mean, we, well, yeah. we we obviously love the club episode. So the, the yeah. debate was going to be, could we say watch the club episode first or is it better that they learn the show no. prior yeah. to getting to that point? I, look, I think so much of the show is mysterious and interesting enough where you could watch the show and instantly get hooked. Like literally the opposite of the conversation that we just had. I will say this, the entirety of the show, but part of our experience of watching that show was just figuring out what the fuck it was. Like, yeah. It was fascinating. Like it's classification. Yeah. Like it, it's completely... What is promised to you in the first episode goes so far off track, but that's how good the show is. Like it's yeah. still able to to keep you. I mean, there like there are entire episodes that don't even feature Donald Glover, <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Also, there's an Easter egg in it. You get to see uh, you get to see the Childish Gambino album cover before we even knew that it even right. existed. I actually rewatched that episode too the uh that's the last episode second to last episode house party episode so 
yeah, go check it out. Let us know what you think about it. Um, thanks to Brandon Turner for letting me know that yeah. was, I never get on Hulu. So right, yeah, I won't either until Shark Tank comes back. Okay, is it exclusively on Hulu? I mean, Hulu is day after TV, and it's an right. Well, show. I didn't know if it was like a show that was exclusively distributed. Isn't it MSNBC or something like that? <laughs> CNBC? No, it's uh, ABC. Is it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Friday night, prime time, it's baby. Been forever since I've watched Shark Tank. It'll be back in the next couple of weeks, I guess. But um, yeah, I'll just stick with Planet of the Apps. <laughs> you want to talk about some movies? Uh, sure. All right, I want to talk do about it. David I wanna, Harbor. I want to talk about Hellboy because yeah, I don't really know much about the. The only thing I know about Hellboy was something that happened like two weeks ago. I feel like what's that? This whole thing about that guy from Deadpool or whatever uh, turning down that oh that casting yeah, yeah, choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what we're talking about. No, we. I want to talk about Hellboy in general. I want to talk okay. about all of it because you're going to be essentially be informing me because I know very little about. I, it I don't know a whole lot. I don't know a lot about the character outside of David Harper in general. Harper, yeah. Uh, have you have you seen the original Hellboy movie? So I have, but it's it's been a long time, and it's, it's not something that I'm particularly precious about okay um and yeah, neither, neither am I. I i feel like this will be a pretty open conversation because there are a lot of i at least for me there are a lot of things to discuss can but, i give you my take on hellboy the original like the, yeah let's let's talk about our backgrounds with the original i don't well just in general i don't have much background about the character the first hellboy movie i remember watching it because i didn't have anything else to watch i think that movie is great like i think it's I think it's fantastic. I don't remember a whole lot about the movie other than I thought that it took a long time to get started. Because it, it, it does take a long time to get started. You have that entire foreword, which is the flashback. And right. Then you, anyway. But um, I certainly don't have a problem with it from what I remember. But also, again, I'm not as precious about it. Um, I'm also a gigantic fan of Guillermo del Toro. I don't know if you know that or not. I have never, ever heard that in my life. Yeah. But I I have the exact... Well, I don't know. I don't hate him by any means. I I kind of think he's a joke. <laughs> because he's he a, can... a punchline is the better way because I always see Guillermo del Toro as he operates in a very small box, I feel like. He he's like Tim Burton even though I I can say that I don't like Tim Burton films. I don't like his style, his approaches. I don't have as much of a problem with Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro stuff, but it's one of those things where, like, it's just not really my thing. I don't right. really think it's that great body of work. And and I imagine him. This is this is totally me. I don't. He every time I hear Guillermo del Toro and he wants to make this and Hollywood won't let him. He reminds me. That's of, a good thing, by the way. He reminds me of Jeremy Renner in a way where he's sort of like the most mistreated director because I feel like every other story is him like being like, Hollywood, make this. And no, <laughs> I mean, the, the he, funny thing about Guillermo del Toro and, and me saying that I'm a massive fan of him, it's with many asterisks. Guillermo del Toro is essentially like the band that you. He's like architects. Because. We all know that band is very talented, and 
when they went out on a limb with the here and now, people were not super on board with that. Some people were, but Guillermo del Toro should never operate outside of that small box that he operates in. So let me walk you through my his- history with him. And I know we're talking about Hellboy, but regardless. No, you're fine. <clears throat> the first time I had ever heard of him, people were hyping him up because of Pan's Labyrinth, essentially, and his monsters, how creative they were, how cool they looked and whatnot. And I will say a lot, a lot of people are all over his nutsack for his monster design. Oh, I know. Oh, it's crazy. I will watch movies and be convinced that he had something to do with them and he will have had nothing to do with them. Um, Anyways, heard about Pan's Labyrinth, heard about the buzz from Pan's Labyrinth and watched the movie, the orphanage or El Orfanato, which he produced thinking that he made that movie. And I love that movie. One of the best quote unquote horror movies I've ever seen period. And found out that he wasn't involved in it and decided to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go watch Pan's Labyrinth. Have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Not in years. I And it was one of those things that was just <laughs> some friends had it on and I caught some of it, but I have not. I, I, I can't give an honest take. I love Pan's Labyrinth. I absolutely love it. Um, to sort of come back around to this, when I watched Hellboy, just because of my interest in getting Guillermo del Toro, and just because it was a comic book movie in general, I just, I I like his fantasy aspects of things. Something I didn't care for, Pacific Rim. Too far outside of what he See, was doing. My my take with Pacific Rim is I like all of the things in Pacific Rim, except the weird underground stuff that was like yeah. the most Guillermo del Toro stuff about the movie. That's yeah. actually the part I like the least. And, and I and, get that. And that, that's him stepping a little too far outside of his box while tr- trying to drag the box up with him. It's like, hey, we can do this now. Ron Perlman. It's like, no. Yeah. So, relax. so, and again, I am very comfortable. And I know people probably listen to this. They're huge fans of GDT. But I'm also like, I, I'm speaking as an outsider. I'm not trying to sound like a a gdt guru like i don't know enough about it to be totally fair but yeah my my outsider's take is he reminds me of the guy in office space that milton? is just like state state yeah milton yeah that's that's the guy from get out for some reason that's my that's how i portray him like he's like make make movie and gary cole right Gary Cole is Hollywood, like, yeah, we're going to have to move you over to the side and make way for yeah. new Transformers, but make a Pacific Rim, too. He's actually, <laughs> he's actually a great a great example of, like, all these people who had, who who have right now, like, the hot Hollywood buzz that everybody's like, oh, well, they need to make a Star Wars movie. Let Guillermo del Toro be an example of why you don't always want to jump the gun. Like for there was a time when people oh, were like, I know. oh, we need it. I know. No, we don't. We don't need that. We don't make, need Colin Trevorrow's Star make Wars. A, please make a 
Hellboy 3. Right. Guillermo, it's going to cost us $300 million. Exactly. Please make Hellboy Oh, 3. yeah. That's another thing, too. I wanna, <laughs> it's like, no. I'm going to go. This, We're not <laughs> this is mildly off topic. We are, if, for anybody that just, just checks in to Sight and Town Weekly, because there's a lot that's our most played podcast. If anybody's like, why the hell aren't they talking about J.J. from Star Wars? We've done that already. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just want to address that. In we case. did a movies episode. Yeah, on that. pay pay closer so, attention to our podcast feed. Okay, so continue. anyway, to kind of bring this closer to Hellboy, um, I have not seen the second one. Uh, I remember it coming out. I own it, and I was guilty of just kind of looking at it and being like, eh, "This looks weird." I don't it's one know, of the most random movies that I own. Um, I'm so I'm totally open. I'm going right. to, without a doubt, watch both of those movies. To uh, give myself, I, I just want to see them. I really do. I genuinely want to see both of those movies. They're a little whimsical. Um, the original, the first two are, they're a little whimsical. That's what I'm worried about. So, getting it to the point where we're talking about this reboot, where Hollywood's talking about the reboot, where fans are reacting to this news. Um, I think a lot of people, until David Harbour released those pictures, weren't happy about it. Yeah, that was just my take, and it was. It's one of those things that like, is this a reboot? Is this a solid reboot? Yeah, it's it's just a brand new thing because they're not going to continue Guillermo's right. vision because he made million. he made two unsuccessful movies and right. then asked for three hundred million, and it's like that's not literal, but <laughs> that's why I was laughing at. Please make it three. <laughs> um. So that's a. Milton impression, not I know a, that. not a Latino. I, d- I didn't think it was. <laughs> so, um, I think a lot of people were so precious because he didn't get to make the trilogy. People love Ron Ron Perlman in the role. And my take, my my take is, I'm not taking any, anything away from what they built. It's just like it's one of those things where I'm talking to the fans. You're not getting this movie. You are never going to get Guillermo del Toro's third Hellboy movie. It's over. It's done. Give it up. But they're mad that Hollywood wants to make another one for cheaper. And it's like, no, it makes sense. Hellboy, even though it has a passionate fan base, Hellboy never proved to be a huge box office success. And again, I'm not taking anything away from what he did. And what those actors and what people what those actors meant to all the fans, but it's like you're getting another Hellboy. You already know you're never getting Ron Perlman back in the role. Why are you so down on this? Like I I, I didn't understand that, but at the same time, I don't. I, I do want to hear your take on that. It's how you how you perceived all this, but I also think a lot of that has gone away since those images were revealed. I just. I don't know why they're making this movie. You know, I just don't really get it. Like, I don't know why. I mean, maybe just because comic book properties in general are so successful and, and studios are looking for anything. And who who's the studio behind this? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. Well, regardless, it's just, I think David Harbour is a fantastic casting choice. I thought the image that came out looked great at, Looks yes. looked exactly like the other one, but a little bit younger, obviously, a little bit leaner looking. It looked fantastic. And, you know, I, I hope for the best. It's just like my stock on this, the heat meter on Lionsgate. A, the the heat meter on a Hellboy film, it's just it's not 
it I don't even know if it's lukewarm. Like until I see a trailer, I need to see that trailer. If the trailer looks badass as shit, then obviously I'm gonna be into it. Um but right now the I just feel like the buzz around this is so mediocre that it, it's just hard for me to get excited about what I'm already seeing. So I, I also real quick, David Harbour. I think not only is he a great casting choice, but this is an actor that I do want to see do more stuff. Like, yes, I thought he was fantastic in stranger things. I can't wait to see him in stranger things too. So we've talked about it. There's not a whole lot to say other than the images that he released are fantastic. They look so good. Uh, whereas you could look at what Ron Perlman had and yeah. it's a rubber suit. So the reason why, and you can say whether you think it's that big of a deal or not, but this is R rated. Yeah. Whereas the other two were PG 13. So I think some of the whimsy might be out. Right. I, I think they, this is the Christopher Nolan version of, <laughs> I think that they have oh a very specific idea in mind. Right. Uh, an R-rated Hellboy. I think that they have something, and they know that they do. Creator Mike McNola is 100% on board, and he promises that it'll, it'll be more authentic to what he created with the comic book series, which, you know, it, again, doesn't do anything for me because that's not something I know a whole lot about. But the idea that it's like the creator is kind of getting to have the reins back, that it's – it also just excites me that the reboot – like it, there seems to be more of a reason for this reboot – the fact that it's going to be totally different than what originally had happened. Right. So I think that's another thing fans should embrace is that, look, we, we did get this. It's been a while. Give me this. And I'm not saying that that guarantees a good movie. There's been plenty of, of examples of that where that hasn't worked out at all. But since I'm not precious about it, I, I, I hope that people continue to be more on board with this because as a non-fan, I get really excited about this. Um. So yeah, I don't. I, I I like that take, and I I like what it also means for Hollywood in general. Is that they might. I I like the idea, even though I don't want them to continue to just constantly retread things. I like the idea of them saying, "Well, this didn't work at PG thirteen because it had to be safe, and it wasn't really like the way that Fantastic Four wasn't really authentically in any iteration of Fantastic Four wasn't really authentically Fantastic Four. I like the idea of them being open because they have the R rating and because people are willing to experience uh, these more unique comic book films. I just think it's I, – I think that they are fearlessly doing this, and that's that's what I like. I, I, I see fearless written all over this, and uh, I, I appreciate that a lot. Well, save for, save for like the DC stuff that's going on right now, you don't really get a lot of reboots coming off of the back – of something that was, you know, it wasn't like some huge critical success. I don't think uh, Hellboy two, but I think for the most part, like uh, I, like, I, like we were saying, the fans in general uh, received it pretty positively. Like <clears throat> outside of just people wanting more of this, maybe that I, I don't. It's just kind of strange to me that this exists as a reboot because the last one wasn't like, to my knowledge, wasn't overtly panned. Hellboy eighty one percent, Hellboy two eighty five percent. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's just kind of strange. It's it's just an interesting set of circumstances. I mean, I would even go as far to say that this this new one has a lot to live up to. I mean, you know, we're talking about like oh, 
Mike Mignola is on board with it and and they're promising this and that. Well, okay, that's fine, but it's not like people were down on it to begin with. Like people weren't it, it's not like Amazing Spider-Man 2. You know, people aren't like we need to write the ship right. in, in general. It's just a strange sort of premise, but Right. Yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. Uh the last thing that's uh worthy this whole casting thing uh, with Ed's Ed Scrain, uh, Scrine, however, be, originally being casted in a role that was uh, an Asian, uh, an Asian role, uh, he he instantly gained me, uh, gained a fan out of me. Yeah, very. When he did this, uh, I think it's very respectable. And this is a person that I didn't have any opinion of. Like, okay, he was the Deadpool villain. Um, he was also in Game of Thrones for an episode <laughs> or two, and he was the new transporter, which I don't. Okay, great. no one cares about that. Yeah. Uh, or no, wait, was he transporter or the new hitman? Who's the new hitman? Isn't that? Wasn't that what's his name from Justified? That's no, that's the. I mean, wasn't there another hitman movie? I don't know. There was. I never saw any of. Them. I can't remember who it was. Was it Zachary Quinto? Anyway. No, it wasn't him. He was in it, though. So, what do you mean, uh? You don't like Zachary Quinto? I do, but it's just an odd casting choice for that role. I think he played the villain in Transporter. I would have never casted him for for that role. (laughs) I can't remember. Anyway. Um... So anyway, very respectable, and I'm a I'm a fan of his now. Like, I genuinely want to see him uh, work more. Um... And I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I can't remember yeah. who it was that tweeted out. I want to work with with him now. It was some. I don't remember either. Look, my my take on this whole scenario. I think the thing that's the most admirable admirable about it was that he sort of made this decision on his own. I know there were some people. There were some. I don't know for a fact, but I had heard that there were some accounts of people sort of letting it be known to him that this was the case. This has been a hot topic, obviously. You know, with Ghost in the Shell when it came out, obviously Death Note, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange too. Look, if they would have made this decision, Iron Fist. If they would have made this decision, eh, that's a weird one for me though. That yeah, if they would have made this decision and just sort of ran with it and justified it, like with some reason, I would have been, I would have been fine with it. You know, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It's un, it would have been like a an unfortunate thing, but the fact that he went out of his way to. Honestly, not not only make this decision, but then put the ball back in, uh, in the casting director's Lionsgate, yeah, yeah, in in their court, Neil Marshall. That's what's even more admirable. Like, hey, I'm stepping away from this because of this reason. So now you have a responsibility to actually make it a thing. Unfortunately, it shouldn't come to that. But um, yeah, good on him. Uh, a lot of respect for him. Neil Marshall, who directed The Descent, by the way. Did you ever see The Descent? Some people think that's one of the best horror movies. Of course I have. Of course. Next to El Orfanato, The Orphanage, uh, one of my favorites. One of the most rewatchable horror movies, in my opinion. Um, Luke already tweeting, how dare you? What about this movie that you don't care about? So another thing that I really love, not only do I take away, I, I like Ed Screen, Ed Screen. Our boy, Daniel Day Kim, Jen from Lost. Oh yeah, I is, about re- that. is replacing him, and I think that's really cool. 
because yeah. for one, I, I, I was always just a fan of anyone from Lost getting bigger in general. I would see movies that had Matthew Fox in them just because they had Matthew Fox in them. Shout out to Vantage Point. Um, shout out to Bone Tomahawk. Shout out to Speed Racer. Shout out to Alex Cross. Shout out to The Colony. No. It's just called Colony, and he's not even in it. Does it matter? Um, so I'm just excited to see him. And and that's all I got there, especially because he just recently left Hawaii Five O. For it's still happening, yeah. Oh, okay. Do you, do you not know about that? Him? I know about it. Yes. I can't remember yes, that. I know about it. The the it's just crazy to that me he left. St- still on the air. No, like Hawaii Five O. It's a huge hit show. I'm sure it is, but so, I don't care about it. So it's crazy. It's it's. Interesting and exciting that this past year he left the hit show that he was on, uh, essentially for social justice, and here he is was given this role in what could potentially be a huge comic book movie. Absolutely, yeah, no, I think that's great. And you know, Jen, not my favorite storylines in uh, in Lost, but of course, but he's a really good actor. Of course, I, I think it's great. I mean. I shed a, a tear or two for uh, him in loss, but nonetheless, he's he honestly he's probably the most underrated actor on that show. Not only did he had to act out of his native tongue, but I just thought he was genuinely good at it. So genuinely, yeah, yeah, genuinely. So anyway, I, what I want to do is I would like to, in some capacity, whether it be on like an after party or make a video or whatever, but. Uh, I think I'm probably gonna watch Hellboy, and uh, you should give give my uh, after party. my take. I'm gonna do a an after party for it. You can't take five minutes in an after party to address oh, okay. a follow up thing on. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I thought you were like, we're gonna do a Hellboy centric after party. Do you want to talk about everything that's going on? What we're hearing about Mother? Not really. No. No, it's too late now. I don't have a whole lot to say about that either. I and I know you're an aeronaut. No, my whole discussion that I was even going to go with that was the ridiculousness of my opinion on Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, I, I, I told you this. I'll just I'll just say it right now. Just get it out of the way, out of my system. Darren Aronofsky, I have the most ridiculous, uh, like experiences with his films. I the first time I ever watch one of his movies i decided to watch requiem for a dream on a first date with a girl and Ew. and it's was one of the worst decisions i've ever made love the movie um just not a great first date movie and uh, i fell in love with him it was one of the first d- movie directors that i ever became a big fan of was a massive fan took an entire group of people a huge group of people to go see um the movie fuck why well, i forget the name of it now um Black Swan. No. The Wrestler. No. Uh, Noah. God. No. I actually haven't seen Noah. The one with uh, Hugh Jackman. Why am I forgetting the name of it? The Fountain? The Fountain. Thank you. I would have never remembered the name of that movie unless you were sitting <laughs> right here. Uh, took a huge group of people to see it. Really, I'm not going to say loved the movie, but I enjoyed it. And people were so mad that I took them to see that movie. They were furious. Love Black Swan. Love The Wrestler. Just flying. Do you love Black Swan? I don't remember liking that movie. I saw that in theaters. I mean, it's, I'm not going to like 
put it on a top ten list of mine, but it's uh, I enjoyed it there quite was a, a bit. It was a fun ride. There was a week because uh, those both came out around Christmas, obviously before award season. There was a week where I saw the rest, the the fighter and Black Swan back to back. I remember cool. I remember watching the fighter and and then seeing Black Swan and been like Black Swan blows ass compared to the <laughs> to the fighter. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, but, very different movies. But I Christian is all about Black Swan. I know I where'd like, that come from. So, if you like Black Swan and he likes it, maybe I need to go back and well, watch yeah, it. you need to go back and rewatch it. So the last thing Black Swan I'll, I'll say about Darren Aronofsky, my entire opinion of him was absolutely ruined by this episode of Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> he decided to. Okay, the dogs are about to go crazy. Hang on, Kayla. They're fine. Just keep talking. Call the dogs. Jolly, goodbye. All right, she's fine as long as they're both not in here together. Anyways, he he decided to go with Anthony Bourdain. I don't remember what country it was. It was Houston. No, it was a like a third world country. And Darren Aronofsky is a vegetarian, I guess, maybe a vegan. Yeah, I, I hate know. those. And he like the first scene of this show, like they're showing the electricity going out. I mean, this is a country that's being. To- <laughs> torn apart by natural disasters and whatnot and rain and all this stuff. And these people like food in general is a luxury for them. And they offer him the food and he says, um, excuse me, do you have any vegetarian options? <laughs> and the look, uh, the look on Anthony Bourdain's face was like, uh, uh, and there was another scene where like, they had uh, some some ritual of like sacrificing a cow, and he decided to go off on his own and have some sort of like, you know, this sort of spiritual awakening out in the woods by himself. And it was like, what uh, the fuck are you here for, dude? Like, are you here for this experience to actually see this other country, or are you here to like, you know, uh, inflate your own ego? And it was just so gross, and it was a fascinating examination by Anthony Bourdain to be like you're an individual who has these political takes on things, these very left-wing, you know, ideals, but yet you have this first-world stance on something in this third-world country. Like, do you not see the absurdity of it? So that has nothing to do with this film in general, but it's just a funny sort of perspective that I've had on it. This is one of those cases where I'm just so happy to – watch and take in film criticism yeah because i'm actually i'm a huge fan of jennifer lawrence i think she's a fantastic i may may not have a crush on her but no i there's so many people that talk about jennifer lawrence fatigue and i i don't even know what that means other than the fact that like certainly not every movie is like a gem or an a plus plus like i still haven't seen joy even though i loved her last run with david o russell it's like I, I, I don't understand the fatigue. Yes, she's very, very famous, but she also hasn't just been in anything in like two years. Well, like she was in that movie with Chris she, Pratt. She was in Passengers, yeah. which I don't didn't do very well. No. And she was in X-Men Apocalypse, which I, I will not defend her in that, but I won't defend that movie in any way, really. Um, Couldn't finish it. So uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean... But, 
Well, to what you were saying, it, it's a very it's become a very divisive movie. People are and, talking about like false yeah. advertising with it and whatnot. Here, let me just give you my take on just watching the criticisms of it. It has been fascinating. You're right. People like <laughs> it's just so funny to watch how frustrated people are about this movie. But I haven't seen it. Yeah. So Max Landis, don't don't comment. But you know. From what everybody's saying this movie is and how it came to be, seems a little self-indulgent. I just the the I need to see it though. The premise of it, like going into it, it I was so fascinated by it about what it was. People thought it was a horror movie, but uh, some (laughs) some people just uh, could tell by the marketing, like they had no idea what it was, and it just seemed really kind of exciting in that way. Yeah, and that he was actually going to do something different. with film and the fact that Jennifer was in it, I was really excited about it and pumped up for it. And yes, then the criticism comes out and it's like, this is just wackiness. This is masturbatory. It's just weird for the sake of being weird. It's it's just not like how you will only watch it once. If you knew what it was by going into it, like who would actually pay to go see it in a theater? It would be like, have you seen Stuckman's review of it? No, it would be worth seeing his review just because he's literally the opposite of that. He was so enamored by it that he wants to see it multiple times to figure out what it means and this stuff. But like even that hearing that versus like the schmoes, which I, I can just as easily agree with something that Stuckman says, right? But knowing that I have those two contrasting opinions, I'm, Instantly, just and again, I haven't seen the film. Uh, well, this was a similar, I, I see, this was a similar, similar thing that we got with um, "It Comes at Night" too. I I assume, but I wasn't following that movie as much. But um, right. I I assume that I would have the schmoes take and just think that it was bullshit, right? So, in the fact, I, it kind of makes me roll my eyes. Stuckman likes it, even though I have literally no <laughs> background information. It, it would be worth just checking it out to have that perspective. That was the yeah. first review that I saw. For, and I was like, oh, wow, this movie is going to be really interesting. And then I just saw that outpour of frustration from other people. <laughs> All right, Dolly, take it easy. There's something about Stuckman that the more time goes on. The, I know. I like him. I, I like him a lot. I'm trying to think of how... He's it's hard that, for me to put in words. That full sleeve that's strange to see. I feel like I don't think I could be friends with him. Oh, come on. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't think he's You've been trying guy. to be friends with Christian for two years. <laughs> it's just not happening right now. I don't I don't think he's my kind of people. Whereas me and Flick Pick, I feel like we could hang out. Okay. But then again, Flick Pick talking and, about YouTubers. Then like again, that. Flick Pick and Stuckman are good friends. You know what? I think Max Landis and I could be good friends. Do you have anything else movie related, or can we take another quick break? We can and take then, a break. Yeah. Then jump into this last movies or music segment. We might be doing something for. We are doing something for the Emmys, but we're not sure if it's going to be on this episode or something separate. So you will know. It'll be separate if it's another hour half episode. So all right, we'll be right back. There is a ton of content over on the Sight and Sound YouTube page. Obviously, you can listen to us talk via podcast form, but we've got you covered with a ton of other content as well. I'm doing album reviews and music discussion. Ryan is doing movie stuff. We're doing TV stuff. 
We're doing vlogs, a bunch of shenanigans over on the Sight and Sound YouTube page. All you got to do is go to YouTube, search for Sight and Sound, subscribe to our channel, or you can click in the link in the description box of this podcast and subscribe to us. It's good times. Watch our faces. Listen to stuff. YouTube is the place to be. All right, let's end this biatch talking about some good old-fashioned music. Now, this is going to be a strange, a different music segment, so to speak. I have no idea what we're even going to title this because essentially what this music segment is going to be about is next week's, this upcoming Friday's New Music Friday. I've been, if you've been paying attention to my music show and our fall preview and whatnot, you guys have heard me talk about extensively about how exciting the fall is for music releases. And it started in late last month, late August, and it's gone on throughout this entire month. Now, I haven't been super satisfied with the music that's come out, but that's just because of my own personal taste. Uh, There's been plenty of stuff for people to get excited about and listen to, just not me in particular. However, this upcoming week, there are so many releases that interest me personally and just other people in general. Just the stuff that we're not going to talk about that comes out next week, and you, I don't know if you have any takes on any of these. What do you think about uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so they have an album coming out. Do you remember Lights? Mm. The Girl? Yeah, used to like, kind of. Used to like be, I think she used to date somebody in Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, I, I, vaguely. I yeah, could, she has a new album coming sing, out. Sing a song. I have no idea. Okay, good. Yeah, she has an album coming out. Also, Sleeping With Sirens. They also, were, they had a song in something, I think I was watching Sports Nation or something, and the, at the end, they credited Sleeping With Sirens. I think it's so fascinating yeah. when I see bands like them and uh, Data Remember and All Last Night being the ESPN music. That blows my mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. Uh, the Bronx also have an album coming out. Uh, the Movie Life, which is uh, something that I talked about in my fall preview. I'm excited to hear that album. Tricky has an album coming out. Uh, Van Morrison, Wolves in the Throne Room, and Chelsea Wolf. So we are going to be talking about like five. Uh, <laughs> five. That, that's why I picked these ones specifically to talk no, about. I've heard of them, but I've, I've, I've heard <laughs> I've heard of them, but so. Uh, we did something, and it, I'm excited because I feel like you can't touch on pretty much all the artists that I've picked to really discuss, but I've picked out, what, like five artists that I want to talk about, and we did something a little bit different, and I want to know your take on how we're doing this. So okay. explain to people what we decided to do this week, specifically for you, but it was also nice for me. So... It's it's one thing when you decide, hey, we're going to talk about this band because there there's like a, a big story that came out, whether it be their their debate with Spotify or blah blah blah. It, it's one thing for it to be one story or one release or one album or whatever. And depending on the artist itself, I'm I I'm only in the conversation for, for so often. But it was another thing when we approached it like, look, this is going to be like a release rundown. We're going to talk about all the things that come out next week. We have got to get Snelling as prepared as and interested as possible to be able to maintain uh, 
the the podcast the conversation on the podcast. So, <laughs> so you gave me a. You're list talking of, about it like we're like wrapping our babies in oh, bubble we, wrap. Oh, we are to take them out. So what happened to a comedy festival? What we did was I said, oh, "Okay, Jay, why don't you basically uh, you got to give me more direction." Is is how I worded it. You got to give me more direction because I can't go in blind if it's about multiple topics. So you created a Spotify playlist of all the topical songs of the singles of the the singles of the bands that we were going to be talking about here today. So I was able to uh, listen to them throughout today uh, to prepare for this episode of the show. And how do how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that approach? I could talk. It it, it worked because I could talk about all of them. Uh, I I didn't realize that you you actually sent me the link yesterday, uh, and I I guess I just missed it, so I didn't get it until today. So if anything, I could have I could have spent more time with it at all, but with it all, but I I'm able to do all of this. Right, for sure. Uh, the just so you guys know, the artists that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about this new Counterparts album that comes. Uh, I didn't out. listen to that one. Uh, the new Circus Survive album, Inner Shikari, The Killers, and Macklemore as I, an album. I legitimately don't remember Circa being in that playlist. You told me to leave them out. Oh, that's right. <laughs> How dare you? What the hell is wrong with you? I didn't know that they had singles out. They have four. <laughs> I, I thought you just I thought you just wanted me to be able to talk about Circa. It's fine. It, it's it's full. Honestly, you don't. You would not have needed to listen to the singles. I, I could, Anyways. I could throw out how uh, Circa Survive is uh, fall and winter music. We'll talk. Okay. We'll, we'll, just give me a second. So I want to get Inner Shikari out of the way, and here's why. Me too. I'm not going to go super in-depth on my experiences with every single band, but I do want to specifically go into my experience with this band. Inner Shikari is a band that I've been – that I've listened to for a very, very long time. Uh, since probably around 2006, uh, f- sort of followed their career, but their album Flash Flood of Color was great. I love that for me at least. I love that album. It was incredible. The album that came out immediately after, I was not into, and they have this new album coming out, and I'm hoping that they can, re- at least my excitement for the band can return. Um, they've always been a band that do things very, very different than other bands, even though they operate in this sort of metal core screamo sort of realm but they are a very different type of band let me just ask you before we get into this new stuff what is what is your take on this band i've tried to get you to listen to them for some reason i feel like i'm not going to say they appeal to the algorithm the ryan snelling musical algorithm but i've always felt that they have things about them that you might appreciate so they don't fit the algorithm they do not my my impression of inner shikari was always they are a band that operates outside of the the genre that i was interested in particularly when i was playing music so and and there are maybe kind of a few other bands that are like that that like they're they're one of those bands that are like really big but they still yeah. feel out of place they're they're really they're really big in in england they're not as big here yeah, yeah. but but even then, it's like they've also been around for a really long time. They were so, in, they were always in the Devil Wears Prada, like they, top eight or whatever on MySpace. They were always there, but yeah. again, they felt like they operated outside of everything else that I was listening to. Like they didn't belong, if that's the weird way to put it. And in in many ways, they actually don't. But that was just always accidentally my impression of them. Right. Um. So, 
I wasn't actually Aesthetic Lullaby was another band like that. Really? Yeah, I felt like Aesthetic Lullaby is this band that's playing the type of music of all these bands that I'm listening to, but I never I, I was never around Aesthetic Lullaby fans. Like they weren't a presence. I just knew that you they know, were there. You know why that is, right? No. Because they're not that good. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, but they were always huge. I don't think they were. I think they the funny thing about Aesthetic Lullaby and a thing that a lot of people don't know, they did they were doing they're only chasing safety by under oath before under oath did they're only chasing safety. Oh really? They had that same recipe. Yeah. And then that came out and then and people were like, <laughs> Oh, this is way better than what this band they're, was doing. They are the Jeremy Renner to under oath Matt Damon. Yeah, sort of. That would be like if Jeremy Renner was the popular one and Matt Damon okay, was yeah, like right. yeah. So, but anyway, so they 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 always felt like this outside band, and I remember uh, I had friends that were really into dubstep and electronic music, and Inner Shikari was a band that they were into, and because I don't like dubstep and because I find it annoying, I just remember thinking like I can't trust my friends' opinions, the ones that are actually listening to Inner Shikari. I don't think that this is a band that I need to. It wasn't until we started hanging out where I actually gave them a chance. And he is one of the most annoying vocalists I've ever heard in my life. I'm, I will admit that there are parts of their songs right. that I like and that thing sound interesting and good, but a couple of parts has never really amounted to me actually needing to care about a song. They are, they, I just can't get into them. So I'm just plainly annoyed so, by their music. All right, so let me. Let me just address one thing that you did touch on that is important to note. For anybody that is maybe interested in what we're talking about, the electronic elements of their music. Now, when we say this, we're not saying like this isn't we're not saying they're a band like Bring Me the Horizon that are adopt or even like Linkin Park where they're bringing in electronic elements. I mean, EDM, EDM and dance music is a heavy, heavy factor in their songwriting. And the last thing I'll say before we get into these two singles that they've dropped for this album, this, <laughs> uh, a flash flood of color, I think is a really, really, really good album. And I want them to come back to that, to that, to having an album that is that good. It is that good that it's made me excited about this. This album that is coming out is called the spark and it does come out this coming Friday. Um, these two singles that came out, when I put them on this playlist was really the first time I had really gotten a chance to dive into them. These songs are terrible. I'm glad you said that. Not only one of the songs is passable as a halfway decent song, just something that I'm not interested in. I think the first single that came out from this was called live outside. And that's the song that's, that's a little bit more, passable as a song that's just not appealing to me the song rebel rouser is very different it is very avant-garde i can tell that they're taking chances and i appreciate that but it's not good the song you said the word annoying about his voice this song in general is annoying i, I mean vocals primarily because that's obviously where my ear goes uh, the songwriting is just but, not good but no, well, I was gonna say about not just these songs. I mean, basically these these singles encompass all of my feelings. 
plain and simple about Inner Shikari. I feel like I, they've completely abandoned that whole metalcore aspect or screamo aspect that we were even touching on. Was that there, a fair statement? Is there a breakdown? I mean, there in, was like in, there was a sense, there was a that, groove, yeah. Like not in the way that there was a, Matthews also has breakdowns. There was a I mean, breakdown in this song in this in a similar way that Bounce and Composure has breakdowns. Right, exactly. Yeah, groove points. Yeah. Um, I just did. I just didn't like it, and I did not yeah. want to listen to it. I was just plainly, plainly annoyed, and I knew that I, I didn't know. <laughs> To be honest, I did. I don't know the difference from these singles and what you've shown me previously. Right. So I I didn't know if Jay Williams was into this. Right. I, I genuinely had no idea that you would think that they were terrible. But it doesn't make me feel better that we agree on that. Well, I mean, just again, I they they are starting to move away from what they've done in the past, which I I applaud, and I will. I say this all the time in my album reviews, like. I will. It is so rare for me to actually say something is objectively bad. I will more likely say it's just not for me. Like I just reviewed the Foo Fighters album, and it's the album is executed really, really well. I'm just not that interested in it. And this is this is not good. Like this is just straight up not good in my opinion. Um, I would love to hear from people that really do enjoy this song because I legitimately want to know what they enjoy about it so much. Kind um, of like the. Uh... Force Awakens. Exactly. How could anyone like that movie? Anyways, um, yeah, the, the song, I'm excited to hear the rest of the album. Hopefully, I need to hear, <laughs> hear this. In- Classic Jay Williams take. These songs are trash. I'm really excited to hear well, well, I'm excited to hear the, the, the rest of the album. Just maybe maybe these songs stand out from it. It's a it. great line. Maybe uh, I need to hear them within context, but my hope for it is very low my stock i've i've withdrawn my stock from inner shikari yeah and if the album just so happens to be good then i will regret pulling uh the stock out but regardless let's move on but i want to give you the choice of what you want to move on to next i I would prefer that you rank them i think so far we're on track i would prefer that you rank them least excited to most excited well i don't want to do that because i want you to do that you're my guest here I'm not a guest. I'm a motherfucking co-host. Well, give me the choices. So we can talk about Circa, which you haven't heard. <laughs> we can talk about Counterparts, uh, The Killers, or Macklemore. Circa. Let's talk about Circa Survive. So yeah. you haven't heard these singles, no. and I made a statement. Have You've listened to Circa Survive before. I'm the most, of all the bands that we're talking about, I'm the most well-versed in Circus Survive. So you've heard these songs before. <laughs> okay. That's a great take. Here's, here's the thing about Circus Survive. I love Juturna. Their debut yes. album, I love it. From front to back, it is a great album. Every, I love On Letting Go. Every Circus Survive album that comes out, I am less and less interested in. This is a the one a very strange band. We talk about... We talk about bands not changing over time, but Circus Survive, they're a different band. Like, I don't know of other bands that exist that are like Circus Survive. I have a really dumb question. Yeah. Is this still Anthony Green? Well, yeah, of course it is. 100%. I didn't know if he replaced Circa with Seosin. I didn't remember. I, I, Seosin is his side piece. I didn't get, okay, I just needed the clarification. I didn't recall how that. Right. 
change of he didn't events. leave Circus Survivor right. for six. Okay, yeah. yeah, but he left you know the other eight side projects that he yeah, had. like so Sound yeah. of Animals, Fighting, and, and Anthony Green. Well, no, he still does a solo project. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, he just right. released a new T-shirt. Oh, gotcha. That that is you're absolutely right. There are no other bands that sound like Circus Survive except Anthony Green side projects, and <laughs> uh, it's a very singular sound. And it's 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 basically him, which is funny because you have what all of the things that they did on Jeterna ends up actually being it, the the band itself sounds different when you get to a song like Get Out that's you know on four albums later, you know. So actually, that that song is very interesting. It's actually one of my favorite songs. It's one of the only it, Circus it Survive songs that sounds like that song. It, exactly, it bumps. Yeah, but like you're able to distinguish. Ooh, what actually has like a legitimate chorus, <laughs> like yeah, that's identifiable. It's, and, yeah, I mean his his choruses they're identifiable, but he does them in the way that like Johnny Craig does them, where the choruses are you don't realize they're choruses until they're, you don't realize that. But it's yeah. also they're not built like choruses in the way that they're supposed to be catchy. There there is not a single the, the majority of Circus Survives courses aren't meant to stand out as courses in the way that they are catchy or they make they make an audience or the listener want to sing along. Yes. It's simply the course because that. it's the part of the song that's repeated and that's all it has. So the thing my thing with Circus Survive is from one of the be- one of the reasons Juturna is such a good album is because it's so raw. Like it is a like, you can tell they're just figuring out what Circus Survive yes. is, and and that is very infectious, I think. Um, but the longer the band has gone on, they have literally made the same album over and over and over again, and the only thing that's changing is that they're getting better at doing it in terms of the execution. Like every. Circus Survive album that has ever come out is a more polished version of the one before. Um, so with all that being said, this new album, which is called The Amulet, which is just a ridiculous name. I'm sorry. That's I think that's an item it is that, that you, you get wear, on Pokemon. That you, yeah, and you wear it around your neck. Maybe even Zelda. You get an amulet in Zelda Maybe. while you're riding a horse and feeding it carrots. Um, look, this... Hold on. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you said that it becomes more polished. Does that mean that it's basically it's getting to the point where it feels like Circus Survive is pumping things out like they're just operating like inside of a factory? Like, do, do yes. their, their albums just are like factory sealed? Like here, here's this product again. Is you know, that, is you know that how, what you're getting? You know how the f- uh, the first time you made a grilled cheese sandwich was the first time, and the second time you made it better because you did it the first time. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you didn't put butter on the bread. But you're also just never, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, if, it, it, is it obligatory? Like, Circus Survives, like, well, we got to do this again. Here's the music that we make. Well, well, pretty <laughs> like, much. Pretty that's much. That's what it feels like. Yeah, and, and honestly, bands of the genre that they operate in are really guilty of, of doing that. Like, I, all I want, all I want is for uh, Circus Survive to maybe introduce a new instrument like bring in a, a piano that's prominent and somebody's gonna be like well they actually use piano in this song i'm you know what i mean it's like, like it's like every day for lunch your mom makes you a peanut butter and jelly but yeah. maybe she just changes the type of jelly 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's still ultimately the same peanut butter and jelly sandwich over and over again. Right. That's and, what that is. And so with this, there's a little bit of fatigue in that regards to anticipating this album. The singles themselves do operate in that same thing of like, where is one part of the song beginning and the other one ending? But <sighs> yeah, I did listen to them on repeat just because I was like doing something else and they just kept repeating. And I found myself being more interested in them a little bit. Um, they're not like, I'm going to say this phrase and I think it's like a title of one of their songs. It's They're not just like wandering through the desert on some of these songs as much as I've heard from them in the past. Um, and like their last album that came out was like a little bit more like a little bit more rocky, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's really not saying anything. <laughs> like I'm not describing anything different about right. them. Um, again, something that I'm, I hope is good. I hope I f- can latch on to something with this. But right now I'm anticipating it just being another Circuit Survive album that comes right. out. And I hope so, they don't play songs on if I ever see them. Live. So for the listeners who are new to Circuit Survive, I still very strongly urge you to explore their discography. I would hundred percent. I would listen definitely to the first two they're albums. Not, they're not for everyone. I will say this: yeah, yeah, if yeah. for some reason at all well, you are turned off by Anthony Green's voice, then you, you will, can just stop there. They will know immediately. Oh, one hundred percent. They will know immediately. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What's the song? What's What's the song? If you were to tell Kevin Marks, here's how you get it. If you're going to get into Circus Survive, what? There's is only it? one answer to that question. It's get out. There's no other answer really? to that question. Oh, well, I figure that you would go. It's not. It's not the song that identifies the rest of their catalog. It's the most accessible. But I thought 100%. you were. Well, let's go to Juturna though. So okay, you could have. I I claim, and I was. I want to talk about this sometime. But I I claim that it's Circus Survive is a seasonal band for me. There's something that I listen to in cold weather when it's chilly. Uh, that's just kind of the mood that it strikes me in. And Juturna is perfect for that. But in fear and faith is a very much a winner song. Uh, Not the uh, band, the song. Yeah, right. Well, don't no one here knows that except yeah. Luke. Uh, I would say um, I would say for me, oh hello. I, I think a song that really does represent them and anything else that you might hear from them is a song like the glorious nosebleed because yeah. it, it is it's it's a good song and it's it's very the band is different the band is avant-garde and like a lot of the songs on juturna actually the more i think about it a lot of the songs on juturna don't sound like i've never heard another song from them that sounds like holding someone's hair back or even act appalled appalled. really yeah um stop the fucking car just listen to that album (laughs) yeah uh, and if you go to their second album listen to in the morning and amazing is that the song that sounds like a, a Seosin song? I don't remember. It's what. the one that goes, didn't I, didn't I know you? No, that's, uh, that's, oh, wait, that's the song of Juturna. Yeah. Oh, it's... Uh, in the, and I cannot sleep without the radio. In the morning has that are, that guitar riff at the beginning where, where it goes, it goes... It sounds like a Seosin song. That is it. Huh? I mean, I, play, I can play it. Yes. If that's not a Seosin guitar, if that's not a leftover Seosin riff, I don't know what is. Anyways, um, yeah, much like in Inner Shikari, I hope that it's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, just not a lot of stock in it to be excited about, but regardless. Okay, what's next? Macklemore. You- Macklemore. So just to be clear about something, 
This is not a Macklemore and Ryan Lewis album. I that is important to note, but it also means okay, nothing. I mean, it I, also means nothing. I remember when Macklemore was like making the rounds, like on the, on the VMAs, and when he was first hitting it big. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah, what's not, your take on Macklemore? I remember not having a clue what was going on. What is a Macklemore? Exactly. I thought Macklemore was a band, and I remember just being like, why is it Ryan Lewis just in Macklemore? Like, it came out of nowhere that we were even supposed to care about Macklemore at all. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember like a series of tweets where I was just baffled. It, the way that Damon Lindelof takes too long. Like, you know how he goes on these strings of jokes that just like – Every time he says something about it, he becomes more and more dumb. <laughs> he's trying to – it's hard to explain. Is that anyway, thing? Yeah. So we've never talked about he that. He has obviously. one of the worst Instagrams. <laughs> His Instagram <laughs> sucks. We we haven't had this talk. But anyway, we'll, we'll get more into that later. But I remember going on this huge – this string of tweets, like trying to understand what Macklemore was because – it sounds like a band's name, but it's actually the name of just one individual. Right. And the other individual that he partners with has his own name, and it's a person's name. And I remember just being like... And no one's quite sure what he looks like. And, or he's, and, and, and actually, there was a funny video that Jimmy Fallon did yeah. where Jimmy Fallon had Ryan Lewis on the street. Right. And Ryan Lewis was interviewing people, asking them about Ryan Lewis and McElmore, and they obviously had no idea. And for those was. that don't know, Ryan Lewis is a, is a producer. And yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I wish you were around three or four years ago to, t to tell me that. Right. So anyway, I was just always just baffled. Like, was Brave the Storm supposed to be called Brave the Storm and Ryan Snelling? Right. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't understand. That's what it felt like to me. Um, Drake and Noah Forty should be. I feel like Macklemore, uh, he was never an artist that I took seriously. I, I, I don't know if I could tell you a single. What's the What's the very first big song that he had um, that, that I definitely would know? Ah, uh, shit! What is that name? Uh, okay, well, he had he had the one about the shoes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what it's called. He had the is it the thrift thrift store was another. See, one? I don't even remember that. Okay, it, and, he, and I also had the downtown song that was on his second album with the downtown. The guy from uh, you don't know that song? Oh, you know that song. He also had the one about being gay or whatever and i don't know anyways i literally have no maybe i know nothing about okay Michael Moore. hang on i'm about to sneeze so well, i can keep talking while you do that okay try so i mean the thing about macklemore is that he <laughs> my impression of him was that okay i'm done so anyways here's what you need to know about Macklemore. okay good macklemore has essentially become a gigantic meme he has become the cold yeah. play of rap music like where it's just like oh okay you like you like Coldplay. You like Macklemore. Macklemore has also become the rap artist that your mom would like. Macklemore yes. has also become that that's, the edgy rap choice that a youth pastor would also listen to. That that is exactly without having any context of his music. That is exactly how I pictured him. He yeah. he is the person that people are afraid to admit that they like. Yep. He is the kind of person that will never be someone's fa favorite artist or favorite rapper or whatever you want to say. Unless you're like a also, twelve year old girl who thinks he's attractive, you know where a lot of it spun from, where a lot of it started. A lot of it had to do with the fact. Well, for one, and I will say this, his stuff can be a little corny. Is that, I was going to say, is it cheese? From time, uh, from time to time, he had the he had a he did a song on his last album with uh, what's his name from the gun the gunslinger. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, McConaughey. No, Idris Elba. Yeah, he had a song with, and it's a ridiculous song. But anyways. 
a lot of hate that comes his way. For He's a Grammy award-winning artist. And in fact, that's where a lot of it comes from. He won Best Rap Album over Good Kid, Mad City, which is a travesty. I mean, that is just, that might be one of the best modern hip-hop albums ever. And it just should. That you never need to listen to again. It just should have never happened in a million years. It just shouldn't have happened. But regardless, all the things that I've said and the things that you're identifying about people being embarrassed about him and whatnot are true. Because last year, his last album, his, his album with Ryan Lewis, ended up on my top 30 album of the year list. He is a really good rapper. He's also a rapper that just doesn't follow tropes of modern popular rap music. Right. He's also a rapper that doesn't follow tropes of modern or just white rappers in general. Right. He is a very identifiable white rapper because he has a white rapper sort of voice and a tone and whatnot. But anytime you say white rapper, you're also you're essentially describing people who are just trying to copy Eminem. He doesn't really do that. Um, he's very distinguished. Little Dicky. Little Dicky. Yeah. 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 Um, well, no, I'm, I, I'm not saying that Little Dicky's copying Eminem. Right. But, I was throwing out an alternate take. But Macklemore in general, there's, you know, I say it all the time, but like what you like and f- don't be a, a fucking dong about Macklemore. Check him out. Listen to some of his stuff. He has some straight up bangers and he is an incredible lyricist, man. He had a song on his last album that was so powerful uh, from like a social level and he has a lot of great social logic. Essentially great social commentary and the stuff that he's singing about some very touching moments. He had a song about losing a friend to an opium, excuse me, an opium addiction. He had a song which was a very Eminem thing to do that was written to his child. And um, just uh, he's just a very good lyricist. But anyways, to talk about uh, this new album that he has coming out, which is called Gemini. And it is important to distinguish that this is a Macklemore only album and not a Macklemore Ryan Lewis album. No, it's not because <laughs> you would never know. You would never, right. you would never know in a million years. I was going to say the title of the album sounds like a Mariah Carey album. Gemini. I like that name. Rolls off the tongue. Gemini. Is that the name of his daughter? I have no idea. Does he have a daughter? Maybe he is a Gemini. What did you think of these songs? You, you've been known to dabble in some hip hop. I felt cheese. Really? Yeah, because okay. I remember one lyric standing out to me I thought was so clunky and so off that it felt it felt cheese the way the, the way the, that there were two singles uh one called glorious featuring featuring skylar gray who was on eminem songs and she's done some other stuff and a song called marmalade featuring lil yachty i remember the lyricist he he, he rapped uh that whole i and i couldn't do it i don't remember the rhythm of it but the the line that stood out to me was uh, they say that you die twice once when you actually die. And then the second time someone says, yeah. I thought that that sounded so clunky, right? The way that I think you said this off air, the way that I think Michael, your friend, Michael right. from in the galaxy described how cliche and like off that those architects lurk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what this was for me where I just thought it was lame yeah. sounding and it just kind of felt, like it wasn't 
again, going back to, it didn't sound like something I wanted to roll to <laughs> or sing along with. Roll like, to. Like, I would have felt lame learning the rap and rapping with it. That's right. that's how I felt about uh, about these songs. I, I think that's the song Glorious that you're talking about. Do you remember the song Marmalade with Lil Yachty? Or do, okay, do you have anything to say about the other song besides the one that you're talking about? I mean, that's how I felt about this both sort of, of ran, the songs. Okay. But. Fair enough. Look, I, I think, yes, the unavoidable and unfortunate factor is that he does, and I don't know why he just hasn't addressed it, like thought long, and maybe it's just his personality, but he is a corny motherfucker. Like, there's just no other way around. <laughs> is it like that? Is his persona like that too, or is his music just supposed to be easy? Not really. I mean, he's not like, I wouldn't call him like whimsical. You know, he's not like dressing like a like a fool he he's a pretty fashionable guy seems pretty straightforward and but his music has just always had that about it now i will say he's this like if chris gethard was good looking <laughs> that's a good take I, I, <laughs> he's also from seattle so they're all weirdos up there anyways shout out to anybody that's from seattle jimmy um, johns robert meyer burnett exactly exactly chronicle exactly um so the song Marmalade fe- featuring Lil Yachty, I actually really liked that song. I thought it was a really good song. It had a great beat to it. Um, and just because he's coming off of an album that I didn't mind, I actually thought there there was a lot there to work with, a lot there that worked against as well. I'm interested in, in listening to this. I haven't found as much rap and hip-hop this year that's been appealing to me. That's why I'm looking forward to it. Also, he is a Grammy darling Um right wrong or indifferent and i'm always and he sells very well too although the rapid hip-hop landscape from when the time he won that grammy is very very different like having lil yachty on one of these songs is a bigger deal than macklemore putting out a song right um so that's fascinating to me as well all right do you, will you check it out yes okay fair enough 100 percent. logic is so high up on your list this year i saw you listening to one of his songs today no that's, Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe my Spotify just isn't updating right now. No, Regardless. I, I have not listened to Logic in a long time. Okay, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Killers. Yes. What do you care about the Killers at all? Uh, I was all about that first album. Really? Yes. Okay. I loved it. I remember. Uh, I remember the first time I saw the Mr. Brightside video. Somebody told me. Um, Jenny was a friend of mine. I mean, there was there were so many songs that I loved so much. Uh, and then when you were young came out and I think that album's called is that Samestown? Yeah. Is that their second one? Yes. Um, I wasn't as involved with that album. Yeah. Um, but I remember a couple of the songs and then the, the next one, um, I can't remember the title of it, but it was the one that has the, are we human or are we dancers? Song. Yeah. That's the only good song on that album. I feel like. So glad you said that Jay. Yeah. So. And I've seen them here and there perform on late night, whatever. So the heat meter has fallen. What I've perceived is that the heat meter has fallen. They have passed their peak. Uh, They were better when they involved, when they fused pop, (laughs) the more poppy stuff that they were going with structure wise and accessibility wise. And without so much of the context in the middle for me, the point that we've arrived at now. Yeah. The Killers just have a droning sound to me. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll touch on that. The <laughs> the Killers, uh, the most relevant thing they've done was 
make that outlandish statement about rock bands not yeah. being good and stuff like that. Right. And that's why they're not big. Um, I hated the Killers when they came out. I what fucking despised them. Really, I thought they were so annoying. They used to play that uh, somebody told me video on Fuse all the time, and I hated it. And I didn't really enjoy them until I think when we were young. I think it was a song on like Rock Band or something like that, and I thought it was really catchy. And then one day I caught like a live set of theirs on TV, and I thought they performed really, really well. And I actually fell in love with the. This was like three years ago. Yeah, they're good. I mean, they're good live. I fell in love with uh, Mr. Brightside for the first time like three years ago, singing at karaoke a few times. That's different. I know it is strange, um, but all in all, I just don't like. I feel like the only thing appealing about this band in the past was that a they did write some really good songs, but also like the aesthetic of them is a little bit like has a this air of nostalgia about it that I can't really place my finger on. Like from time to time, they remind me of like a like a I don't know, a band that would perform like in a casino or something like that. Yeah. Like a, I don't know, like a Neil Diamond. I think, I, I think uh, the, the killers, their sound, particularly with the vocals, his vocals, even though having written several, what I think are catchy songs, right. his vocals never move. Yeah. The, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a dynamic range. His, his voice is interesting, but it, it does, it, he doesn't move. Yeah. So you get to what they're doing now, and I think that's they they transition to a point to where they move even less when that was already a problem. So I am just hearing droning sounds musically and with the vocals, and I was like, I was falling asleep at the wheel. I just felt like I was. (laughs) I just there's a there's a problem. There there is not anything that was pleasurable to my ears there there's a major problem here so this their approach and everything is actually right up my alley i appreciate the fact that they're giving the music more space to breathe in some of these songs creating an atmosphere with a lot of, like these songs are some of the more mo, like slowest mood type of songs that i've ever heard and almost honestly ambitious songs like i've never heard a killer song songs that sound like these these singles that they've dropped and I, I should mention the album that's coming out from them is called uh wonderful wonderful S- such a good name you said it twice um it's man look i appreciate this approach from bands from time to time you know i like my mood albums you know i like my <laughs> ethereal nature about things and that creating atmosphere but these these songs they were missing something like they were missing a big moment like you can't just have you're right you can't just have a, a song that drones on and on without building to something no jam or anything like they that. they never built anything with these songs they yeah. sort of just existed in my speakers one of the three singles was a little bit more peppy than the others but even that i was like it's like so far out of it and- and for me, you, you probably already know, you probably don't agree with this, but f- for someone like me, sometimes it just, sometimes music just sounds like noise. It doesn't sound like there's actually the instrumentation and there's an arrangement and like progression or like you said, it just, sometimes it just feels like they made sounds instead of actual, you know, constructed parts and constructed songs. I don't, I don't have any songs here. 
yeah, for me. What I, I, would I mean, call. I mean, what I would say, what I would say that songs like that play better in an album. It's the same thing of like a a shot in a really dramatic film where there's just no dialogue for a long time. You get like a long shot to sort of establish the scene, and and it, you know, the distance in a specific wide shot creates drama so to speak and what i will say about these songs is i am at least a little bit more interested to hear them in context of the rest of the album hopefully their place on it makes more sense in creating a mood but man it just like nothing got me excited about this at all in fact the only reason i even put them on this list is because they're such a big band in general even though the heat meter has fallen um, that I felt like they should have been included. It was either them or Godspeed You Black Emperor. Yeah, whatever and, that is. And uh yeah, man, I just I I just could not switch these songs fast enough. So we talked about the most sleepy What wait, do you think you'll check this out at all? No. Yeah, it's I, not, I haven't listened to the past three albums. Not, not not only are these songs not that interesting, but they are just not relevant. I mean, dare I say it? I know there's probably some Killers fans out there like, how oh, dare you? No. I still have those first couple albums, but I have no problem with you saying that. Yeah, if you have a problem with me saying they're not relevant and you don't know who Lil Yachty was as a feature on the Macklemore album, you have <laughs> many problems. He's the guy it, from the Sprite commercial. In the music landscapes. Target with Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> He's in a Sprite commercial with LeBron. Yeah, I know. You know what? I didn't read far enough into the Max Landis story to know if he touched on the Carly Rae Jepsen commercial for Target. <laughs> I should delete that video. Um, <laughs> what a great way to bring that back around. I know. So um, <laughs> we talked about the most tired uh, songs. Let's talk about these counterpart songs. Now, this is probably the most your speed of all of these songs, but it's also, I would say this type of music isn't necessarily the first band that I would recommend to you of this music genre. Of course, um, they put out, they, they have, they have an album that is so hard to say the name to it. Hang on. It is called you're not you anymore. That does not roll off the tongue. You're not you anymore. I don't have a problem with that. So, I've heard that this album has leaked and someone might expect that I've already heard it, but that's alleged and who knows if that's the case, but regardless, and I may even say that it's a really good album, but regardless, they did put out this song, this single called No Servant of Mine, which I've got on record as saying is one of the best heavy music songs to come out this year. Uh, I would say Doomsday might be uh, up there as well. What do you think about these songs, man? So Counterparts is not a band that I have retained very much. What about that one song that I play every time we're together? Is that That Stillborn? Yeah. (laughs) I recognize it every time I hear it, but I haven't retained it. Like I still, I wouldn't know how to go along with it, but uh, maybe a couple parts. So, I, I don't know a whole lot about the band, so I don't know it. I don't. I can't speak to any of the the evolution of the band or what to expect from album to album. I can't speak on any of that. If I said they were but, a melodic hardcore band, yes, would yes, you, yes. Okay. So, so the issue here when you when you talk about bands like that and you lump them into another band that I do enjoy, like it prevails. 
if you want to put them that way. I've never heard you admit that. I've listened. Eric and I are huge It Prevails fans. What? Since when? Since I've been trying to get you like OG get you, days, get you into that band forever. And my response was, and eh, they're cool, but I'm not really that into. But them. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's at all what happened. This is this is legitimately there. Like there have a been times where me. I've cycled through to where I don't listen to them. Hey, listen to me. Brave the storm could have been at prevails. No, you guys diverted. That, you guys that doesn't make sense to me. My perception of the first EP, you guys were on that track, but you decided to go the more, like, <laughs> Devil Wars. <laughs> no. No, we didn't. You guys went the more, what is a band? I don't even know. Like, a more accessible version of, like, uh, Color Morale, which is depressing to me. Anyways, I'm sorry. Talk about counterparts. Go on about counterparts. <laughs> it's obnoxious how high, much higher you hold our first music in regard when our later songs were clearly so much it's better. It's the Juturna of it the Brave the Storm catalog. That's just not true. The rawness Eric, of it. Eric, where are you? Um, you didn't even like what he was writing. The fact that I like, I'm fine with it when he's writing with Josh <laughs> and when he's writing that genre music. But anyway. Counterparts. These songs. So... The counter what when I compare it to a band that's like it prevails, it's hard for me to get into the genre in general, and I don't even know how to explain why it prevails stands out for me. It's so much about but aggression. It's you know, it, but it's aggression. But at the same time, it's so it, it's it's this vocal stylings, and this isn't singular to counterparts. It's it's kind of what a, a lot of bands do in this hardcore in this genre. bands. Yeah, but the straightforwardness of it is what doesn't. It doesn't grab you. It do, because it just, it feels like there's less personality to it, and it it just feels like uh, we're doing this again. And this is what the this is what the vocals will always sound like for this type of genre, and that's why it never always really. Life in Your Way is another band that is the exception where I I think that they do stand out. I Absolutely, think that they do have personality. They have more ideas but in their music. I I have a harder time finding the personality in counterparts and ha why. And you can educate me on this for sure. The the why counterparts sounds like another like. You could play me a song by Touche Amore or Counterparts, and I might not be able to pick it apart. Yeah, I mean that's that's down. Honestly, that's down to aesthetic. That's the I mean, education. I mean, too. yeah, Counterparts are closer to a metal band. Okay, far closer to a metal band than Touche Amore is. Whereas Touche Amore is closer to hardcore an, band, an emo band. Down, okay, their music. If you listen. Pay attention very closely to Touche Amore's music. The way they write their guitar parts sounds more like a country band. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, like the next time you hear one of their songs, pay attention to their guitar and you're going to be like, holy okay. shit, this sounds oh, weird. Well, yeah. That's fair. And, it, and, and not to mention too, Touche Amore very rarely plays with distortion on their guitars. So. And that's also important to pick out because. When you listen to a lot of these bands, you have to remove the vocals because it's just straightforward scream vocals. Exactly. Yeah. So it's and maybe that's just why it's not as interesting to me. 
But I certainly don't. Ha- there's zero. There's no harsh criticism here. Not at all. I, hey, I don't have you any- are. You are so right and on point with what you're saying. You get into counterparts and you listen to counterparts for one idea and one singular idea only. It's like I've said before with architects, even though they're a more diver- a versatile band. If at any point, first of all, I will say this: this album, eleven tracks, twenty-two minutes long. <laughs> There are, really? there are EPs that are longer than this. Yes. But with that being said, it is straight to the point. Yes. It does not overstay its welcome. Because you are getting into this for one reason and one reason only, you want to hear blood pumping, heavy, fast, aggressive, in-your-face music. I didn't find these songs particularly heavy. There's, I not mean, really. we're, we're obviously talking about an aggressive genre, right. but... Someone like it's me, not, who is, it's not a mirror. Yeah, we're also yeah. I was gonna say we're also very accustomed, and we understand this music better than general audiences would. Right. Where someone hears a "Brave the Storm" song and they think it's the devil's worship. Yeah. So, um, but this this isn't heavy to me. So it, it's not like I was like bumping to it. Yeah, that, heavy. Again, that's not a heavy. Might not a, be the best word. Right. Fast is a good word. I think. Yeah. Um. Look, it's also it also has to be said too that hardcore music genres, or the genre of hardcore music, even though the vocals aren't as uh, understandable, you can't understand what they're saying as much. Lyrics are a huge part in hardcore music. I mean, oh, absolutely! People really, really bite on everything these people say, and Counterparts are a great lyrical band. A lot of people listen to this music for the technical proficiency. Counterparts are a very, very technical band. Um, and because too, and these songs do this to a T, like I've already said, you get it, you listen to this for one reason and one reason only. And as long as those songs deliver on what that category is, it can be successful. This project for being 11 songs, 22 minutes long, if it is one note, guess what? That's fine. Yeah. Because oh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it, I have no problem. It's also, that. it's also a lot like, uh, the basement album. The basement album is super short, but it also is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not looking for it to be anything other than that. Um, I found these songs to be very, very good. They check every single box for everything that I'm looking for in this music genre. I right now at least, I don't need this band to operate outside of the box because they're not promising that. Th- this isn't the inner Shikari song. They're not you know what I'm saying? The only the only time that I would have an issue with yeah a band releasing that type of album is if we didn't hear from them for another two or exactly. three years. Yeah. But that's not something you know until you know. But like I would expect an album the very next year. Right. If or they did or something. If they did yeah. eleven two minute songs. Absolutely. But yeah. but but at the same time there in the moment it does feel like it's just kind of like a, a journey. Like I'm gonna go on this uh I'm gonna go on this counterpart's journey. I'll be back in twenty minutes. Exactly. And it could be just a great experience and with incredible songs what a great album to like you don't jog to <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly you just, but again that, that would be my only issue is if like that was really great but we didn't hear from him in a while yeah now if this was an album that was 11 songs and it was over an hour long fuck you get out of here yeah. i don't want to do that there's no point there's just no reason to do it but yeah i mean yeah. do you think you'll check this album out uh if there's a if there's a band on this playlist that will keep me coming back, it is Counterparts. Right. And of all the albums that we have talked about, Counterport Counterparts Counterparts will be the number one. 
uh, on sure. my anticipated. And then I'll check out Circa. Um, Inner Shikari. <laughs> no. I get it. It's just a no so to Inner Shikari and a no to uh, the killers. And I'll wait for you to tell me about Macklemore. Absolutely. Yeah. And Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Um, Whatever that is. Watch it be like album of the year from. I'm just going to say no. You're, you're going to be like Snelling. I'm going to go. I'm no. going to be honest with you. I no one knows what this is. I no. haven't spent much time with that band either. Regardless, lots of stuff coming out. If you can't. F- this this list has, or at least this week, has the star power in terms of names. I mean, some of the, you might not have heard of some of the bands that I've talked about. But for a lot of people, a lot of people are going to be very stoked about this week. So the last thing that I really want to say, and then we'll end super quick, uh, I do want to congratulate Sampha for winning the Mercury Prize. Uh, the Mercury Prize is the award that is war- awarded to the album of the year from a British artist. He went up against the likes of the XX, who we've talked about, um, Ed Sheeran, um, <laughs> who is one of the biggest artists in the entire world. Also, Alt-J. He was uh, up against some really big names, and for a lot of people still don't know who this guy is. If you have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I've been championing uh, this guy's work. It always feels good, and you know this, when we say our show of the year or our movie of the year, and we get validated on the fact that they win awards. Yeah. Uh, That's very awesome for me personally that I wasn't just going fucking crazy, but it also means that his hopes are likely for at least being nominated for something like the Grammys, which is the prize that we really uh, would like to see him get, but the Grammys suck. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. You want to tell people where they can find you online? Uh, you can find me talking about the Emmy. Uh, we're going to be the Emmys. We're going to react to all of the winners, and that'll be a separate Sight and Sound TV episode uh, that will go out maybe even the same day as this episode of Weekly. You'll know when you know. Um, so yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at what up Snell. Make sure you pick up your September sight and sound exclusive t-shirt site soundpod.com. I'm on my way to get mine right now. Probably going to go with the baseball tee cause I haven't done that yet. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. You might listen to this as a podcast. You might listen to this on the SK plus YouTube channel. Uh, but either way, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel so you can catch our next feud with Max Landis. Thank you so much. Speaking of, uh, real quick, speaking of merchandise and buying merchandise, I don't know whose fault it was and whatever, but I thought it was so funny when Eric sent us that picture of his dark gray hoodie with the black. Part of me was like, there's no way you didn't have something to do with this. (laughs) No, the funniest thing about it is like it was hard for me to understand where he's coming from because you know when he ordered it it went through his mind that he might have been taking a risk on buying it <laughs> it was just so funny to me yeah there's never buy a dark they, on dark ink without seeing it in person first that's my only thing to you well no, that's not fair because in the picture though i think it was based on the lighting it looked like a a dirty brown I, and I was like, it. why do you want a black on brown? But then he said it was supposed to be gray. And so I was like, I get okay, it. You had to do it. You had to fuck something. I get it, but it's always going to be a risk. 
It's always going to be a risk. Nonetheless, anyways, you can find your merchandise. Please don't order a dark on dark print. I I do share some of the blame because I shouldn't have made that an option anyways, or maybe it was just a joke to see if Eric would actually buy it or not. It wasn't, but that's funny to me. Um, yeah, you can find me on social media at jwilliams. You have the A to the Y to the E on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same for both. Uh, join the Facebook group and all that stuff. It's three o'clock in the morning. This has been a three hour episode. I love every single, each and every one of you. Ryan, do you have anything else? No, I'm ready to go to watch Hellboy and go to bed. Are you really going to go watch Hellboy? Fuck no, I'm going to bed. Okay, I'm going to go watch some episodes of Atlanta, and you guys should do the same. We'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Goodbye.